hi, this is Jonathan Tweed. I was the lead designer on third edition. I've worked on a bunch of other games like Ars Magica and Everway and Over the Edge. And you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. For some reason, Gentry's Marvelous Exotic Zoo has seen fit to sponsor this podcast. Gentry Zoo claims to have the most dangerous collection of dinosaurs, aberrations, oozes, demons, devils, vermin, monsters, magical creatures, animated constructs, automatons, elementals, and Cthulhus. Enter at your own risk. The estimated survival chance is approximately 50%, and that sounds very reasonable to me. Maybe I can pick up a new familiar. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse, we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Brawl Players. Russ, as ever, it is completely fantastic to be here. Oh. I see you've brought a guest. I have! I have! Uh, she, she followed me all the way home. Can we keep her? Can we keep her? No, no, sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's a different sort of guest. No, no, this is, this is Little Red Dot, who is a Twitch producer for the Fantastic Cobalt Press. Yes! Hi, friends! <laughs> Hello! So this is somebody who's actually much better at being on microphones and podcasts <laughs> things than we are. So. Uh, I got to say, has oh m- come on, you 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 gotta. You know what? I tell people all the time, you just gotta do it. Like there is no right or wrong. You just gotta turn that mic on uh, and make it happen. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's basically our philosophy, and just talk and just hope that somebody out there likes it. <laughs> hey, that is uh, isn't that the way? Just like you know, it's like spaghetti yeah. on the wall. Make it and yeah. sling it. Keep keep, keep throwing it in the stool deck. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk all about Twitch streaming and videos and podcasts and all all that stuff and a little bit later in the model, show. The business yeah. model behind it and the importance of getting that right from the start. Mm. So oh there you yeah. Go. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll put our business pants on uh, later, <gasps> as I tell people. We'll slip our business pants on. Though y'all well, can't be- see it because this is just audio. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but before we do that, yes. we are going to look at some RPG news. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yes. So, should we start with some television-based RPG news? Because there's quite a bit of that that came there out this is. week. There is. There is. Uh, All at the same time as well, yeah. bizarrely. Yeah. I think it's important to note World of Darkness has announced... That they are making film and TV now. Oh, yeah, Darkness is taking yeah. their stuff to, to the film and TV world, which I yeah, think is a absolutely. huge yeah. announcement. So, so they did huh. they did something like in the nineties, didn't they? It was based on <laughs> based on vampire. This isn't the first time they've ever oh, right, right. they've yeah, ever been yeah, on TV. I feel like they did something, and then there were all, there was a series of lawsuits that proceeded in the like nineties and two thousands with the whole oh, that like was, that uh, was, I think underworld, that was underworld wasn't situation yeah. with yeah. the oh. underworld situation, and I think True Blood oh, yeah. was also sued by World of Darkness. Really? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I mean, I don't see if there's any similarity there at all. What 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 could that I mean? <laughs> I, I don't I mean, know. Probably, I don't know about all the drama behind it, but I can tell you, you know, when you like, there was definitely like you watch those two, and you can see like, oh, I see where they got their inspiration mm. from World of Darkness. Like it's very clear if you're a fan of the of the world of or the uh, VTM like world. So yeah. Uh, so I've got I've got it here. So it was called Kindred the Embraced, and it was That's back in it. 1996, and there was Goodness. only eight episodes, and then it got cancelled. <laughs> I know that the community. Okay, so take this from somebody that's a huge World of Darkness fan that runs a Vampire the Masquerade podcast. I'm very excited and also hella nervous. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, yes. like, it's 
right now we're actually about to get a lot of vampire content, right? They're making the new blade. Really? Isn't there like mm. new blade stuff coming out? No. Um, they got um, Wesley Snipes back. I don't, I don't know if they got Wesley Snipes back. No. I don't know if anybody wants no, Wesley No, no, they haven't. No, no. They've only been two movies. Let's be clear they made, <laughs> they made that TV show that was so bad. Was that Who released that? Was no. that MTV? There was like a real, it was like a short-lived Blade TV show a few years back that was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, problematic. Um, we'll say Ooh. it was problematic. Um, and, okay. uh, but yeah, so, not, so they, not it's just always, bad, but it was just, bad. there were some problems. Right. Uh, it wasn't really great. The script was kind of uh, bad, but uh, mm. there, we've got, we've got a lot of vampire content coming out and all of the supernatural mm. stuff that's been very popular. Well, you know what? So, I'm like, zombied just, out. So I'm, I've been mm. quite happy to switch from zombies oh, to vampires. Different yeah. kind of undead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, when will mummies get their chance? eh? Hey, yeah. yeah. Well, We've let me had, tell you, you don't want mummies in world it. of darkness. If that's mummies true. rise in world of darkness, that's it. It's in days, y'all. Yeah. So, so, so this one. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking at some of the pedigree behind this. Mm. So, this is by a studio called Hive Mind, who partnered up with Paradox, who obviously yeah. own um, World of Darkness. And Hive Mind is behind The Witcher mm-hmm. and yes. The Expanse, Ooh. which is which are two really good shows that right. I really enjoy. And The Expanse so that- is technically based on a, a, somebody's TTRPG game, right? Yes, so the, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It was like the original guy who kind of found it, him and his friends built The Expanse RPG off their home game, mm. and then that became a TV show. Yeah, um, Firefly was like that as well, wasn't it? Wasn't yep. that based off Ooh. Traveller, I think? Uh, or something oh, was like it? That? I, I didn't that. know yeah. that. This oh, is this is like a half-formed factoid at the back of my head, so don't, <laughs> don't, hold, don't hold me to it. I might okay. be wrong. Okay. I dreamt it once. <laughs> well, well, the showrunner yeah. for this one also, oh. as, uh, I haven't seen this, but it's on Netflix right now, Shadow and Bone. That oh. just came out. I yeah. have not also myself had a chance to, to look at it, um, though I don't know when this drops to all of the audience's ears if we'll be in the it's, present or it's the available future. in the uk and it's coming out tomorrow so the first oh, wow. May. so okay yes. we'll be very uh hot to try it'll be the present yeah. um yeah i haven't had a chance uh to watch it either but i've only heard mm. good things that like mm. the yes. aesthetic is very good it mm. um it's it's well done and well acted so um i've heard very positive things about it in lieu of well, all of that yeah. well the showrunner for that is a guy called eric uh i'm gonna say his name wrong heisera heisera mm. uh but he's also the developer for mm. this Okay. New World of Darkness show. Oh, I see. Right. So, so I'm, I'm really actually really optimistic. I'm, about I am too. This, I'm very excited. Um, I always try to lean on the, the side of optimism. And I think <laughs> that the world of like World of Darkness has been making a lot of really good decisions over the last few years, you know, because they've mm. changed. Now they're working with Renegade um, and a lot. They're uh, not obviously with White Wolf anymore. And so there's a lot of really positive um, things I think the company's doing with the new content, with the version five that has dropped. So maybe it'll be uh, a refreshing thing. Maybe we all desperately need a World of Darkness TV show. We maybe, just don't maybe. Know it. I've, got, I've got a quote here from the writer-producer, so Christine Boylan. Uh-huh. And um, she talks about people of color, women, LGBTQ+, um, and making that hot, all these different communities feel welcome. Mm. So it yes. looks like some of the problematic elements that maybe World of Darkness has has um, endured yes. over, over the years over the are years. being addressed. Yeah, so. I mean, there. so it's interesting. I had this conversation with someone about World of Darkness, which I think is interesting because mm-hmm. now I was a wee babe in the 90s, so I didn't find it until much later. But really, VTM or came out of World of Darkness came out of LARP. 
right? Mm, yes. No. Right. Um, VTM was a Mine's lark, theater. Yeah. Um, right. And then it kind of developed into a tabletop. Um, and then so then we get our video games and all those kind of things that were really influential in the culture, the like underworld vampire culture. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that's so interesting is that it was always a place, a, a, a tabletop or my understanding or a LARP where women mm-hmm. and uh all kinds of people that oftentimes got left out of a lot of other RPGs in the 90s actually found a place inside of it, right? You get Changeling the Dreaming, um, mm. which deals with, um, which comes out of World of Darkness, which is about Fae and mm. uh, dealing with mental health, right? And so World of Darkness was kind of pushing the envelope in certain ways. I just don't think that they had the tools they needed at the time to make it a safe game to be right. able to play mm. in those spaces. Now mm. they have the tools they need to make the game safe and it's continuing to foster a massive culture of people who are um or minorities of, of very right of varying right mm. it was the lgbtqia community who has always found a place in world of darkness whether it's women which mm. i know that it was one of the first tabletops that i felt really comfortable playing because women mm. were, were represented in it like on the page in a mm. way that i wasn't finding in other rpgs other women mm. were playing it mm. uh, which i thought was really interesting where i you know i couldn't walk to a 40k table y'all Mm, right mm. but i could go in and find a vtm table at my local game store that had another woman or had somebody that was uh, female identifying so it's really Mm. interesting because i think uh world of darkness fostered a place for it long long ago and now we're finally getting the the vocabulary the tools the rhetoric to actually be able to develop it in a much safer Mm. way and and so i actually applaud world of darkness for taking that on because there is a rather toxic community that was built over the years around it and now a lot of that is being subdued to create a, mm. a place where we can tell these kind of dark stories in a way that they were always in my opinion meant to be told so i look forward to yeah. seeing what they do with the tv show i'll be interested to see what Fingers lines they push yeah, yeah right this is yeah. going to be really good mm. so we stick with sort of former white wolf properties and tv there's another oh. one there's yeah. another one announced in Goodness. the same week so scion which is currently ah, being produced, i believe the, yes. the, the tabletop rpg is produced by onyx path yes uh, yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of like um, the, the, I, I, I'm not super familiar with the game myself, but uh, well, it's kind of like. Uh, yeah, you, I you, you, say. Well, I was, I was going to say. Um, I uh, have you have you played it yourself, Dot? Um, I played the first Scion uh, yes. game. Yes, the first release. Um, yeah. I was actually not very fond of the latter release. I thought it was a bit mm. of a messy game and was not very playable uh, <laughs> between me and you. Uh, so I have not played the newer version. Uh, I did. We I tried with a group of people. And we were all oh. like. Good something else, but so what, I have so, played. So, what the, is the, the basic the basic concept? What's the elevator pitch for Scion? Uh, you are the children of gods, right? Yeah, and that's the Scion, has in like the inheritor of the, the family base. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. there's the various pantheons: Greek, Norse, uh, I think Egyptian, and they've. I'm pretty sure they've released some sort of South American set, but. Not my game. Ooh, I've just seen a list no. here. This is oh, yeah, Daryl yeah. put this list together in his oh, column. He says Egyptian, glad. Chinese, Japanese, Norse, Persian, African, Aztec, Indian, Irish, and more. That's uh, fantastic. Yeah. So, and you lot. basically play the children of gods, mm-hmm. um, and you have various powers. And it's other than that, it's a similar sort of D10 dice pool. Um, mm-hmm. Have a good time, sort of thing. So, yeah. Yep. Mm. So, so this is also coming to TV. Which I find interesting mm. in the wake of something like, oh, uh, what's the Neil Gaiman uh, one that came out? Oh, uh, American Gods. American yeah. Gods, yeah. right? Yeah. They, didn't yeah. they just announce the finishing of that? Like, they're not yeah, doing yeah. another season of that. So, if we if we kind of stick with Hollywood, mm. broadly, yes. should we jump on to a spot of yes. Jeff Goldblum? I think Oh, yes, the must. great Jeff Goldblum has joined us at the table, y'all. 
he is going to be guest starring yeah. on a podcast, an actual yeah. play podcast called mm. Dark Dice. Yeah. Um, and uh, a bunch I, of good I, folks over there, by the way. Yeah, mm. I great podcast. Good folk. I did a quick interview with them yesterday, actually. Mm. When I, when I oh, heard did about you? This, and uh, I put that up on my site. Um, yeah. But yeah, so these are Fool and Scholar Productions. Is the mm. is the name of their name of their company, mm. and they've been going for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so somehow, unbelievably. <laughs> They've got Jeff Goldblum to join in their <laughs> podcast to play D and D, and that is so did amazing. You ever, did you watch his documentary show that he put out? Uh, Jeff, uh, the world, the world according to I've Jeff seen, Goldblum. I've seen a trailer of the LARPing one, but that's about it. Okay, okay. Oh. So he basically each thirty or forty-five minute episode covers a topic. So like he does one on coffee and one on bikes, and like you can yeah. see Jeff Goldblum like try to be normal because we all know he is not of this planet. Like did not <laughs> right, and so like here he is trying to do normal things. Like he, he learns about barbecue, but one of them he do, he goes and learns about gaming, and he mm-hmm. attends his first like e game sports event, Ooh. which is hysterical the look on yeah. his face is like what are these crazy folks up to like mm. what um and then why he goes are they to cheering lot. why are they cheering yeah, why are they cheering oh. why this feels like a sports <laughs> event and so watching jeff goldborn learn about gaming is very interesting <laughs> in that and he only touches very briefly on tabletop so i because he, he does a big piece on larping it shows up to mm. a larp and talks mm. to a bunch of larpers mm. so i wonder how much of this move was actually inspired by his research like his time in this documentary show like learning about gaming like I, because you know he didn't just wake up one day and go today I think I'm going to play yeah. some some Dungeons so, and Dragons. So in that episode, did you get the sense that that was his first time ever yes. to do any type of role-playing or... Well, he didn't do any in the show. It, it's a documentary. So he's going around like talking to other people who right, do it. Right, right. Right? So we get to see him just kind of discover it, which I think right, is what's right. so interesting. It's a discovery thing. So I'm I'm actually curious whether or not this sparked to want to be part of like a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Maybe, like, maybe. Where did it come from? Like I said, I just don't think he woke up one day, stretched and was like, today. Today's the day I'm going to roll a d20. Well, um, he kind of, he presumably has a team of producers and stuff who probably pitch him things, I would imagine, and said, look, we could, we could go and do, we could go and do barbecues. Would you like to try laughing? Would you like to maybe? I don't know. Why am I acting like I know? Jeff Goldblum in a LARP. That is uh, a choice. That's choice right there. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, I just I think it's so um, I think it's so interesting the whole thing, and, and and I'd be interested to know his story of how he got like what did they either pitch him that was like we got something for you, Jeff Goldblum. Mm. <laughs> You're gonna play this really attractive elf on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Well, look, 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 I mean, it's not entirely outside the realms of possibility that you might have met someone who actually plays. Like, it's you, true. I mean, Vin Diesel playing it, you can see, well, okay, he'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. Will Wheaton playing it, he's like, okay, fine, whatever, Star Trek guy. Judy Dench playing and running it is the sort of yes. thing that might make him say, but I met Judy mm. Dench. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He could have been a fan of their podcast for all I know. Like, he could yeah. have actually just listened to, to yeah. the Dark Dice podcast and was like, I'm Jeff Goldblum. I'm sure if I ask them if I could come play, they're not going to tell me no. No, um, no I imagine not. I, I think this yeah. is a Ravenloft-based uh, setting as well. Oh, or is it? I got, like, okay. I, 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 th- I think. I, perhaps I've got that completely wrong. I don't think it's Ravenloft specifically, it? oh, okay. but I think it's definitely themed a bit that way. So he's playing mm. a, a, okay. a a wild elf, woodsman, trapper, and sorcerer of the Dead Pines who's searching for his daughter's missing locket... Yeah. When he was kidnapped by a group of imperial elves. And then we meet Balmer on the day he's been executed. Not being executed, being 
executed oh. by these elves as some part of ancient ritual. Oh, hmm. so assuming no massive grammar mistakes, he might even be playing some sort of revenant. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Revenant it's it's like revenant background. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, something we Oh, that mm. that's interesting. And it sounds like an awesome character, which I'd be delighted to have in my game. Yeah, have you, I mean, art alone. <laughs> have you seen did the you, artwork? Did you guys see the art? It looks yeah. so good because no. it dropped with the press release, the yeah. art of his elf. That's what I'm yeah. telling you. Like, he, oh. uh, <coughs> Jeff Goldblum is a looker of an elf. Yeah, <laughs> I've got it right in front of me right now. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's so good. Um, so, anyways, I just I, I I look forward to at least tuning in while he joins them because I believe Dark Dice, if I'm correct, um, they've done some very interesting things with their D and D podcast. They've done yeah. things like have a thirty person orchestra, they've got a choir, yeah, a Ooh, choir, yeah. like wow. some yeah. other really amazing things that make them a super unique podcast. So, mm. like I said, who oh. knows? Maybe Joe Goldblum was like, hey. These guys over here, they got an orchestra <laughs> and they got all of these musical, these medieval musical instruments. Yeah. And maybe he was just a fan of the podcast. Who maybe. knows? Yeah. Uh, and he can probably do improv, I would hope, being a yes. skilled actor. Yeah. Oh, be, yeah. an a- be an actor, I, I guess. He's going to. It's going to be very, very roleplay heavy, I'm sure. Which, yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I find it very interesting, too, like looking at this, you know, um, mm. love my folks over at Critical Role, right? But I'm so amazed that somebody like on that scale mm. are not the ones that picked up somebody like Jeff Goldblum that here mm. he is with like not that uh, uh, Dark Dice is a small podcast they are not they've been around mm. a while and they have a great yeah. following but like that he would choose to go with what is considered like the middle ground of like a podcast not even something where he can mm. like show his beautiful Jeff Goldblum face right <laughs> um, so I think that that's a uh, I think that's also very interesting of like uh, choosing something that's behind a mic, so a podcast, mm. which is a specific, very specific type of entertainment. Mm. And he does. He does have a very unique voice, though, as well. He oh, does. Yeah. I look very. I mean, I look forward to it. I think it's really interesting that he didn't. Because if you're right, if his if his agents and uh, people came to him and were like, "We're going to put you on a D and D show," like critical role, but they chose mm. this really awesome podcast that's been doing really awesome things for a while, and there's something about that. That makes my heart warm. Yeah. As somebody that that is also a podcast producer that's not Critical Role, it's really cool to like see somebody like Jeff Goldblum on that level want to participate in the kind of stories we're telling. So what I should have asked in that interview, and I didn't, is who reached out to who? Because that would have been interesting. Oh, to that know. would have been an interesting. I think question. I'm going to send. I'm going to send a follow up question, and hopefully we can we can have that on the show next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be interesting to see who who initiated this, who whose idea yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, for sure. How, how big is Because I want to know how they pitched it so that I can start reaching out to <laughs> <Yes>. somebody. <laughs> right, who, 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 are we go- who are we going to reach out to then? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so, so the question that does occur is how big is the cast for uh, Dark Dice? Because I know Critical Role have got like six, seven people, something like that. So they've got a unique structure in that they have yeah. a, a big voice cast that does a mm. lot of the NPCs, I believe. Oh, so okay. they've got the core players, mm. but they've also got voice. Uh, uh, and I think it's like twenty or something voice actors. Yeah, they've actors. got like there's a, a lot, whole group of a lot people of voice, voice stuff that come yeah. in and do the NPCs and things. So ah, okay, interesting. So I was just wondering yeah. how how they would do it and whether it's like maybe a smaller cast, so more spotlight time. Because mm. gotta say that would, that's always the attraction. Uh, of a smaller group, you get more time yeah. in the spotlight. Yeah, but that's true. I, I, wonder that they, I wonder if it's like the production quality is the, the choir and the voice cast and all this, mm. this all these yeah, elements but- would be attractive to someone like. I mean, because like, it totally feels like know, a big but... production, especially somebody mm. that's done like stage and film the way that oh, yeah, yeah. Bloomhouse, right? Yeah. Um, I imagine the like level of production quality and the inclusiveness of like various kinds of 
entertainment is very it, it definitely draws you in yeah but well, i mean maybe he just does stuff because he likes the scripts like yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's just because jeff goldblum really wants to play some freaking dungeons and dragons y'all that's what i heard did i, did I mention by yeah. the way peter i've actually uh, hired a choir for our podcast yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 sound it's literally just hudson howling <laughs> but it's an improvement on the choir we currently have anyway <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, it's going to be a little bit intimidating GMing for someone that you've actually seen in the movies. I'm terrified, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm, not, yeah, I'm generally not yeah. that fussed myself about this sort of thing, but I think it'd be like, oh, actually, I might get a bit nervous. Like, you know, am mm. I going to be a good enough <laughs> GM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for this acting. Well, if I feel that. Yeah, it's sort of like maybe an inverse Matt Mercer effect. So it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> This is what your GM's doing. Well, why aren't you like more like Jeff Goldblum? But then again, from what I've seen of Jeff Goldblum, and obviously I've never met him, but I've seen him on chat shows and things like that, he does seem like a very relaxed, very friendly mm. person who's going to put you at ease, I would think. Yeah. Just just from just from what I can tell. I, I gotta say I might I might actually give, I might actually give this a listen, which I don't actually listen to very many podcasts, which is awful, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you may <laughs> The truth is out. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, so, you know, I always love to play devil's advocate, right? Mm. Because one of the things... Uh, <laughs> One of the things I do is always think, uh, think strategically about production and how do I get the most listeners and things like that. And um, as a fan of Jeff Goldblum, mm. I think this is hella awesome. Mm. But at the same time, this begs to question what kind of standard does this start to set in mm. this entertainment industry? When you have mm. people like Jeff Goldblum and Judy Dench now stepping to the table to guest star on podcast, where does that put the rest of us? It changes the level in which we play and the kind of talent mm. which we can, we're supposed to be bringing to a table, right? Because mm. that means a market, there's a market shift. Yeah. It means that people that are top list, A-listers, uh, mm. are now interested in something that is basically a niche entertainment that has never been on a radar before. And so mm -hmm. um, what is... What is the positive and or negative effects of something like this? I, I think, think there's probably well. room for a, a range of scale, though. <laughs> just just like there is on TV. Just you know, a Marvel movie isn't necessarily the same as a little um, thing that the BBC's picked up for a six right, episode. Like, right, like an indie um, movie, yeah. right? Yeah. So these 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 sort of things, you know, there is there is room for everything. Yes, but that begs the question because our blockbuster film is critical role. But here's a blockbuster actor that's doing an indie film, uh, yeah, in essence, yeah, yeah. right? So, so we're actually talking about a shift in the in 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 talent coming to different and varying tables, which I think is yeah. an interesting conversation too. Like, I don't actually have an answer for what that looks like, but I think as somebody that produces, it definitely sets a new bar. One, it tells mm. me like, should I be reaching out to? celebrities and figuring out how Ooh. to budget to have people like Jeff Goldblum on Yeah, I mean, I wonder podcast. whether he's being paid for it because one assumes he probably is because that is that is his job. Ooh. But if so, what sort of... How do I, basically, like, Ooh. how does my podcast compete with yeah. that? Which is the big question in any market, which is like, how do I compete with a, a podcast that I was on par with, right? Like, I could have I been in the same room with and now yeah. I can't be in the same room with them because not because they're not welcoming, but right. because... They have Jeff Goldblum at their table, uh, right? And so I and think, also, um, and also their thirty-person choir takes up the entire room. And a thirty per yeah, a thirty-person choir. So yeah, there's no there's no more seats left in the room. Uh, and twenty uh, yeah. NPC voice actors. Twenty yes. NPCs. Um, yeah. But I think that that's very that's a very interesting um, 
actually uh, up until this moment I had not really considered is like mm. what does a move like this mm. how does this change things for us right I think about I think about World of Darkness going to film and TV mm. are they going to cast only actors are they going to start reaching out to people like I imagine are you going to cast your LA by night folks who are all actors too and in LA or are you going to make this something that's out of reach for people that have been involved in this product and in this brand for a very long time yeah. and what is the shift are is it now out of our grasp or is this just new opportunities so um i think it's very interesting I, i'll i will be interested to see like does this start to create a, does this create a shift right because uh, mm. we've already seen some celebrities you mentioned vin diesel and other people that have played and it did create a shift mm -hmm. it created a massive shift um long term in in how we present tabletop games publicly mm. um and what that means for a business or a market and so i think um I don't know. I think this is kind of cool. This is one of those moments where it's like my, my magnifying glass is kind of zoomed in because I'm looking <laughs> at it from like, I'm in the audience because I love Jeff Goldblum and yeah. I want to uh, see what he's going to bring to the table. But then I'm also there with this magnifying glass of, mm. of, of being a, a bit of a self-producer and a businesswoman mm. and going, what do I have to do to mm. shift? Because I can't compete with that. Yes. Ah, I mean, it certainly is fascinating. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, do we have any more news, Russ? We do. Yeah. Would, oh. you, would you like to talk about Hasbro's profits in quarter one of... 2021. I I I I would say I'm intrigued. When you say it that way, <laughs> it's either really, really good or really, really bad. Okay. Right, I'm going with really, really good. Let's stretch this out. Bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen oh. this news piece, but if you had to guess, so you yeah. know Wizards of the Coast is yeah. now a division, uh, a top level division of Hasbro. What of would Hasbro. you say the percentage of Hasbro's quarterly profits were brought in by Wizards of the Coast? Ooh, as opposed to Monopoly and GI Joe and oh. you know all the all of the other stuff that Hasbro does, Transformers and toys and now, now I know previously on the podcast we have discussed that uh, Wizards of the Coast is actually one of the most profitable profit centers, not necessarily making the most money, not having the highest turnover, but it gets a lot of profit because okay. so I'm talking profit here, not turnover. It's very, um, but it's like. Well, I, I imagine they're well, ooh, cracky because they're not going to be as big, but they will be contributing a larger slice of a smaller pie. Huh. Oh, pick uh, a number. Pick a number. Mm, I'll I, I'd with, say a third. I don't. I don't have a oh, hard number, but I'd okay. say a third. We got. We got. We got one bet for a third, and Peter. Uh, I, I was going for thirty percent, but now I feel compelled to up my estimate and go for forty. Thirty-five percent. I, I like round numbers, so I'll go for 44. 40, okay. yeah. The answer is 75%. 75%? of Hasbro's profits in quarter one, 2021. Well, you'll have to excuse me while I wow. subtract my eyebrows from my hairline. That is astonishing. That is astonishing. Wow. I, I have a lot of feels about that. <laughs> so this, I have a uh, lot of fears so about it's, interesting, it's yeah. Interestingly, what? last year they did 72%, which I didn't oh. realise. It's up from oh. last year, but last year it was at 72%. <laughs> so this is operating profit. So, now that's going to include all of their stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that'll include yeah, Magic yeah. the Gathering, uh, which oh, I okay. imagine is actually much larger than the actual Dungeons Dungeon, and Dragons, yeah, yeah. or at least pretty close, mm. yeah. No. So it is important to say this is profits. It is not yeah. sales. So if you no. if you look at sales, it's twenty two percent. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's not you know. It's twenty two percent. Yeah. As you said earlier, we um you know Wizards is a very profitable 
division, yes. mm-hmm. the profit yeah. margins on the stuff they make, Magic the Gathering and D&D in particular, which have been called out. They, they, um, they make a book. It costs them, like, a couple of dollars to make a book, and they can sell it for, like, $50. Mm. Um, yep. Whereas, like, bits of plastic, plastic toys, like, you can sell a lot of them, but the profit per unit is going yep. to be a lot smaller. Yep. So, yeah. 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 The profit margins smaller. And, and cards. Interesting. Magic the Gathering cards must oh, be very, very wow. cheap to actually produce on mass. I, I mean... Oh, I can only imagine. Like, compared to an Optimus Prime, you know, it's... And what, I mean, what does a pack cost of magic? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. That's I don't how know. disconnected no I am. Do, do I, I look make... like I made the money? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and then they're doing random packs too, so you don't even have to deal with the kind of like uh, assembly line production that comes along with it. You just you just random you random sort all the cards you're mm. you know printing and cutting. So yeah, they probably make a killing. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that probably yeah. explains where that seventy five percent comes from. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's about 20, 21 pence per card. Um, I make it. So not, okay. not sure what the exchange rate is, but so, so it's, I think at one point it was magic gathering cards were worth more than, um, their actual weight in dollar bills, which is, yeah. Wow. Exciting. Almost scary. Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> did you know it's a special day today? Yeah. It's a special day. Do you day? know what day yeah. it is? Oh, but let me say, there is a chance that during this podcast, one of us three yes. will transmute into an orc or an ogre. Oh! It is uh, definitely th- possible. I think you mean an orc or a troll, thank you very much. Or a troll, yeah. I'm sorry, a troll, yeah. not an ogre. I'm, I'm uh, 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 it is okay, Daryl, don't smite him and make him sound like Daffy Duck for the rest of the podcast. Like, uh, so, so we're uh, talking Shadow, right? Right? Shadow today, right? yeah. today is Goblinization Day, the day... Yes. April the 30th, 2021, yes. is the day that one-tenth of yes. the human population yes. spontaneously transformed into orcs and trolls. Not ogres, trolls. In yes. front of their terrified onlookers. Yes, yes. Apparently dwarves and elves were born that way a bit later, which I find a bit disappointing. So, right. yeah. Oh, well, so that's today. Yeah. Well, Cheers, then. Happy yeah. Globalisation Day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly, if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic, I'd be having... A wicked party this Well, weekend. of course, everyone, yeah. every, everybody's going yeah. to be listening to this tomorrow. So, yes. Goblinization Day would have passed by the time. So, they can... They, they can so, happy belated yeah. Goblinization Day. So yeah. they'll, yeah. they'll already know who turned into a goblin and who did not. Yeah. Or it, which it, of us. If you're, if you're a massive troll, write to uh, morris.podcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I joined the rest of the queue. <laughs> I'm just trying to think what what are the odds. I'm trying to do the maths in my head. So there's one in ten people, and there's three of us. What are the odds of one of us? But it's being one in ten like that. I mean, that math says one of us would have to turn into one. Oh no, I think there's a- one in three. There's only three <laughs> of us. Not it. I'm not it. Who's all the short straw? <laughs> I don't think you get to choose. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, as Cubicle 7, very, very quickly, have announced oh, yeah, that they've yeah. renewed their license for the Doctor Who RPG oh, with the BBC. Really? Okay. So they've been doing that since 2008. So they've been doing it like, yeah. a long, long, long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah, most yeah. recent release was the 12th Doctor source book, which they released mm. in August 2019. That's quite a while ago, actually. 2019. Yeah. It's been so, okay. busy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh, if maybe... There were some negotiations that needed doing to get that license renewed or something, which mm-hmm. is, or whether the pandemic happened. Like I that. don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so the 12th Ooh. Doctor, uh, Jodie Whittaker's the 13th? That's right, isn't it? 
bar. So that would make it. It's not Malcolm Tucker. I can do this. Uh, Peter Capaldi is the 12th. Yeah. Peter Capaldi, thank you. Yes. He's the 12th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, uh, presumably that means Jodie Whittaker will be the next one to come out. Mm. I would guess. Okay. Just, okay. As, just as she's announced that she's leaving the show. Well, right. it's all. <laughs> I mean, it sort of makes sense. Like, you're going to have a more complete source book after you, if you do it after the doctor's left. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. 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 I suppose there's no dangerous spoilers. Anyway, I'm going to be the next doctor anyway. So, uh, decided. I decided. Nice. decided. Good to know. I am going to be uh, the next doctor. Oh, yeah. Take the show back to its future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Yeah. Well, right. anyway, I think we've come to the end of the news. Unless either of mm. you can think of anything I've missed. <laughs> this is the end of the news. Oh, no, there was one last thing. <laughs> the Level Up Journeys playtest. Oh. Went out earlier this week. Yeah. And it is most of the rules for journeys in Level Up mm. Advanced Fifth Edition. And oh. it is surveying already really, really well. It's like yeah. getting the highest scores of okay. any playtest packet that's gone out there so far. Yeah. I mean, it's early days. It's only been out for three days so far, and these things always do settle down. But um, <laughs> so far, um, you know, the, 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 the survey scores coming in are through the roof. Phenomenal. Yeah. People huh. love uh, it. Okay. People love it. Uh, this, huh. this, this, this is um, Advanced 5th Edition, the Level Up project, which is providing an exploration pillar for Dungeons & Dragons which many people claim exists, uh, which I personally have yet to find any significant evidence of. So I am very much on board with this project, which has Mm -hmm. been really fantastic. And it's also done a lot of work on the fundamentals so that the first thing you do is no longer. You have to scrape off all the racism uh, that's inherent to the setting, Mm -hmm. and you can just actually play the game. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's a bold concept and it's got a lot of very nice stuff, which I'm looking forward to. And this uh, this supply thing helps resolve a lot of the fundamental problems with, as we are identified and have been identified by the community with Dungeons & Dragons. So mm-hmm. possibly hmm. supply is a little generous at the moment, but yeah. Um, I, it looks it looks nice. Hmm. Huh. Right. It looks very nice. Anyway, that really, that's available that, on the Level Up playtest. Mm-hmm. That really is the end of the news. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it is. That is everything that has happened in the entire world in the last week. Nothing that's else. All you need to nothing know. else has happened. <laughs> <laughs> Asterisk. That's, RPG related. That's almost certainly <laughs> true. Asterisk, we're definitely not telling you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so yes, we would be less than honest. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Right, anyway, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Okay. Yes. And that's the rules recap as well, so you yes. can Yeah. So, um, um, I've been looking through the list of this week's Kickstarters, and uh, unfortunately, quite a lot of them we've covered in the show already oh, in news <laughs> items, like in previous weeks, which yeah. makes them difficult to use in the game, like Ouroboros Coils of the Servant, which we well, covered yes. in depth last week. So, yeah. so, some of these I'm just going to have to skip over, even though they're awesome, 
but they're not suitable for the game because what, what they. Well, I'll um, tell you what. Why don't you give us some names we could have had? Ouroboros coils of the serpent. Yes, Ouroboros coils of the serpent is the big one, which is yes. um, which the is the edition uh, from World of Warcraft people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is doing, which okay. is approaching a million dollars now, like really, really fast approaching a million dollars. It's really, really interesting. There's this, yeah. and there's a, there's another one, but this is going to actually be in the uh, in the, in the game, so I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, <laughs> but we've got another two approaching a million dollars. Oh, at the nice. same time, really? Yeah, and given the fact that okay. we had three last month, being yes. a million dollars, and then in the eight years before that, we only mm. had about three or four. So literally in this quarter, that will be five mm. more than in the eight years before. Tabletop wow. RPG Kickstarters that have hit a million dollars. It's weird. That's nuts. Oh, I mean, it's awesome. But, it's, uh, oh, it's awesome. Well, yeah, weird in a good way, but it's just yeah. yes. all at once. Oh, well, no, I... Uh, <laughs> well played, everyone. Well played. Yeah, well, yeah, right, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, who would like to go first? Um, so, well, normally I would offer ladies first. Um, but okay. But possibly... All right, I, I'll go first. I, I can go first <laughs> if you would like. Because then you can see how it's not done in any way whatsoever. Yeah, we're losing the points don't matter, right? So <laughs> bring it on. Oh, so if you already know what it is, you have to own up. No. Okay, all right. So you're telling me that I have to be <laughs> yes, honest yeah. with you. No. Okay, all right. I promise I'll be honest. I think, I think we might have a problem with this week's games in there. Uh, people may have heard of them. But let's see, let's see. So uh, we're, we're going to start with you, Doc, shall we? Oh, okay. okay. So okay. what is Grim Hollow? The monster. See, this is one of those ones that really gives it away in the title. I'm going to go with just Grim Hollow. Then it says something just after a colon, which kind of gives it away. Okay. Uh, okay. Interesting. Grim mm. Hollow. I. I. So, mm. in honesty, I do not know this game. So, uh, this is what I. I guess I can. Uh, I can't answer. All right. Grim Hollow. Um, knowing the trends, it's probably five E because. Uh, it's based on 5e or is an open thing that can be placed on any game I'm gonna guess mm-hmm. um, in any game uh, Grim Hollow makes me think you've got like grimdark vibes so you know um, uh, Ravenloft style like grimdark and probably has something what, uh, what was it called Grim Grim Hollow, Grim Hollow. Yeah. sounds like a location to me a place Grim Hollow sounds like a place uh, so maybe it has to do with like creatures or monsters or like a specific setting in some way like Ooh. a location um that is maybe what i okay. know so that huh? is a really good guess now i'm going to tell you what's oh, after yeah, okay. the colon but yeah. okay, i'm not okay i think it would be so unfair to judge you for not guessing not getting the after the colon bit so grim yeah. hollow in itself is a setting pretty much as you described oh now, great this okay. is grim hollow colon something for that setting the monster grimoire which I think would have completely given it away as the monster book for that. Yeah. Setting. Okay. So, okay. So it's a tome. It's like a. It's like a book of creatures, yeah, so, a book of monsters. Uh, okay. Of monsters. But you pretty much Ooh. described the Grim Hollow setting, which was a previous Kickstarter, almost Ooh. exactly. It's yeah. It's oh, a raven lofty themed, dark themed yeah. like dark uh, Sleepy Hollow yeah. style. Maybe think Sleepy Hollow and like you know uh, uh, like Victorian horror. Yeah, and it is for fifth edition, as you yeah. guessed. Or either they did a very good job of naming the book. That's another thing. It actually could be that they did a really great job with branding and naming the title of the this piece. Is Peter's, so this is Peter's pet guess. peeve with this game. It's uh, He judges <laughs> Kickstarters based on whether or not the title tells you what is actually in the Kickstarter. What, yeah. what it is actually, that's so that's a whole thing. Like what you call a product is actually like a real important mm. thing in business. And as a marketing team and a PR team, uh, 
being able to market something that is exactly what it says it is and that can get its point across without all the excess is mm. super important. So, cheers. They uh, did a very good so, job. So, <laughs> you've scored 1,241 points for that. Oh, okay. Okay. Congratulations. Oh. That's a good score. But, Hot Peter, Peter. Are, are you going to be I'm able to sit up here and sit my coffee? Peter. <laughs> <laughs> One thousand two. I've already forgotten what it was. One thousand two hundred forty-one points to me, Peter. Can you do this? <laughs> Are you ready? I, I, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a okay. Go. What go. is Sirens Battle of the Bards? Ah, yes. Unfortunately, um, the Kickstarter's being really popular at the moment does mean that I'm actually aware of the works of Satine Phoenix. You know what uh, it is. Okay. One. Yes. <laughs> well, would you like to describe um, what it is and then we'll move well, on to well, another for, one for, for, for my limited understanding because I'm like I'm like, oh do, do I recognise that person oh I do oh it's Kickstarter oh I've learnt it no um, it's essentially um, sort of a source book to help you do musical themed D&D um, yeah and it's all it's basically how do you help bards and people who want to be bards but just aren't cool enough I guess so um, so this is <laughs> that's my life story. <laughs> it's, it's more it's more of a it's more of a setting than it is a source book for bards, although yeah. it is very bard oriented. So it's a yeah. three hundred page hardcover city, oh. which is an artistic and rebellious city of bards. It's like yeah. a skyscraper filled fantasy yeah. city, and the most important people in this fantasy city are the sort of artists so you don't have yes. to be a bard which is how you know it's definitely <laughs> fantasy yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry that was a yeah. my yeah. so, so you don't have to be a bard but bards are kind of like the spotlight um the spotlight <laughs> people in 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 in, in, the, in the setting but but has in D D, they are just better yeah absolutely yeah and that is for D D fifth edition obviously Answer. Goes without saying, really. Okay, yes. we'll go for a different one then, Peter. Yes. Are you ready for no. this one? Yeah, hit me. Comets and Cockpits. Oh, that is an awesome name. I, I'm already feeling my, my wallet's growing lighter as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> what you can see is he's currently making it rain, as they say. Yeah, I am actually, my mouse is actually hovering over the back of this project button. Right uh, um, <laughs> I would hope comics and cockpits would be uh, obviously sci-fi, but I'm aiming towards a certain genre of like sort of pulp science fiction rocket ships. Um, I'm sort of hoping we're going to get a real sort of Flash Gordon slash Book Rogers vibe going on here, um, just so you can... Blast off into space in a full golden age of sci-fi extravaganza. Um, that that's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I think it might be for fifth edition. Okay, that's pretty yeah. good. It is for fifth edition. Ooh. It is a sci-fi book for setting for fifth <laughs> yeah. edition. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, the Junker space fantasy genre, which oh. I'm guessing means kind of. Firefly kind of everything's a bit falling apart kind of I guess. Uh okay, yeah. So sort of I guess almost a silver age after yeah. the golden age has come to an end with the initial expansion and we're looking at a sort of a period of decline. So this look details a massive unexplored world. 
that once mm-hmm. housed one of several civilizations, and Perfect. it's got five new ancestries, seven subclasses, new magic system, monsters, uh, a six-level adventure. Yeah. And it's also so, got this thriving satellite city as well. So, so it's like actually more science fantasy because, of course, the essence of fantasy is looking to the past and how Space things are fantasy, better than Space yeah, is, is Space the term fantasy. Used. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Looks fun. Does look fun. Mm. So um, I'm going to have to say that's the end of the uh, game this week just because the others – I'm going to quickly read out the names of the others and you'll see why. No. None of them – all of them look awesome, but they're so obvious what they are from from – the, uh, from the titles. <laughs> so, for example, we have uh, Fantasy City Sites and Scenes 3 for use with fantasy RPGs. I mean... It's accurate. Well, at least you know what you're getting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is from Phil Reed, who, as yes. you know, is okay. very, very, very prolific with this stuff. And this is the third of this particular series of city locations mm-hmm. he's made. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you give your first child like a really fantastic name, but by the time you get to like 200, 500, it's like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hey, you. <laughs> and then we also have Ekabon's Exotic Mounts for 5e, which again is really obvious what that is. <laughs> and again, yeah. looks yeah, yeah, exotic really mounts. Thir- 30 Ooh. exotic mounts for your PCs yeah. to ride across the campaign. Well, that does look kind of useful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've yeah. also oh. got Endless Encounters Dungeons and. Um, my own, my own one, which I thought was be a little mm. bit cheating. To oh, the Fey one would be into the Fey world, which is uh, yes, yeah, it's full of Fey. Yes, and full of Fey, full of Fey monsters. What? And no, of, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like for us, it's a word that <laughs> if he calls Pixar something with a bad title, <laughs> I will tease him mercilessly about oh. it for the next two weeks, which seems a bit cruel. Okay, <laughs> so, so uh, Peter, I'm going to have to give you 1,241 points for that. Oh. Is that because that's what Rizzo's Does that mean we're even? <laughs> I think oh, that's the same. <laughs> I think that was actually the same number. So, I wrote it on my hand so I wouldn't forget. You both, you both pretty much guessed exactly what your respective challenges were. So we're going to have to have a tie break. <gasps> oh, no. We are going to have to have a tie break. Challenge round. So the tie break always works slightly differently. Instead of guessing what it is, you have to guess what it isn't. And whoever gives the best answer <laughs> will win the game. Okay, all right. Peter loves this round. <laughs> it's my absolute favourite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what isn't? Who would like to go first? I'll give it a go. Okay, what yeah. isn't Corsairs of Cthulhu? Um, what is that not? What that isn't is it is not a detailed description of the importance of shaving and depilatory treatments for. Uh, Kephonic monsters, um, because of course they don't want coarse hairs all over their body. <laughs> wow. <Ow. laughs> uh, uh, right. Oh, I think my work here is You are going right? to struggle yeah. to beat that. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was good, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well done. I have an actual little tear coming out the side of my eye right now. Uh, I'm (laughs) ready (laughs) to All right, Doc. What isn't Corsairs of Cthulhu? Okay. Oh, I get the same one. I don't get a different prompt. Okay, okay. Corsairs of Cthulhu is definitely not a courtly intrigue uh, campaign uh, with a manual on how best to impress your boss. It is not that. Hmm. This is going to be a difficult one to judge. 
They're both good answers. <laughs> it is not an HR mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you what it is before uh, before I give the final scores. So you can, as you can probably guess, so it's set during the golden age of piracy, pirates, privateers, and so forth, facing against facing off against a mythos, and it's a three hundred and sixty page source book and campaign. Oh, oh. wow, what that's beast. Oh, it does sound fun. It does sound fun. Uh, so, because Peter literally made me cry, I think I have to give it to Peter. It's okay. You can totally give it to Peter. That was a good answer, Peter. Well done. Coarse hairs are good. Uh, 2d4 psychic damage. Yeah. So that, that physically hurt. Anyway. Well, congratulations, Peter. You are this week's winner of our favourite game in all the world. The dragon's horde be just round this corner. I can imagine it now. Piles of shining gold and gems. We'll finally be able to retire. Quiet now. I'm going to take a quick peek inside. Oh, right you are, but look right you are. Oh, I'm so excited. Ah, uh, uh, Turlick. What is it? Is the pile of gold bigger than my house? Are the gems so bright they hurt your eyes? Are the diamond crowns and ruby pendants breathtaking in their beauty? I think somebody beat us to it. What? What do you mean? I mean, the lair is empty, except for it looks like a sheet of parchment weighted down by a stone. Wait, yes, it is a note. No, is it from them? The Silver League, yes. (sighs) What does it say? It says... Ha ha, suckers. We got here first and claimed all the treasure. See you at the Dire Princeling Stronghold, if you're fast enough. That's the third time this month. They cleaned out the Bloodfang Talon Citadel, the Bear Owl's Paragon Nest, and the Snake Rider's Underground Lair. It's getting very tiresome. Every time we arrive at a monster's lair, those silver leaguers have been there and emptied it of treasure. To rub salt in the wounds, they leave us these taunting notes. I've had enough. Me too. We need to show them who the premier adventuring party in the 32 Baronies is. Who's that, Pillar? The uh, Black Sword Sisterhood? No, you fool. It's us. The Brotherhood of the Cobalt Badger. Oh, oh yes, of course. So... How are we going to get to the dire princeling stronghold before them? It's time I called in a favour. Yes, that'll do it. Uh, 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 from whom, Billock? Well, the Queen of the Great Eagles owes me one from back when I saved her eggs from the claggy trolls. She gave me a feather I could use to summon her to my aid. Wonderful. So she'll swoop in and tear the Silver League apart with her vicious talons. No, no, don't be so silly. She'll give us a ride to the Dire Princeling Stronghold. We'll beat the Silver League to the punch. Oh, a foolproof plan. Quick, Bullock, pull forth the feather and summon thine winged ally. Yes, I have it right here. Um, in this pouch. Uh, huh? It's not here. Instead, there's just this tightly wrapped. Scroll. Bearing the seal of the Silver League. Those dastardly fiends. They filched my eagle feather. I left a note in its place. What does it say, Billock? It says, you'll never outsmart us. 
We have your eagle feather. It was simple to snatch it from you in your sleep. No wonder they keep beating us, Billock. They're travelling by eagle. We never stood a chance. Or do we? What do you mean, Billock? Do you have another trick up your sleeve? Remember that elder air elemental we freed from the Storm King's dungeon? Oh, yes, yes. He was ever so grateful. Indeed. And he promised to come to our aid when times were dire. Oh, an air elemental is way faster than an eagle. We're back in the race. All I need to do is break this vial of air. Now, where did I put it? Ah, yes. In that spare satchel on the mule there. Quickly, Billock. We don't have time to waste. Oh, it's... it's gone. No, that cannot be. Just this note in its place. It just says, suckers. Damn, that Silver League. Ahead of us at every step. I guess they've truly won. Unless... Unless... Do you not still have that scroll of teleportation gifted to us by the Archpriest of Milton Keynes? I believe I do, yes. Why, even an air elemental can't move faster than teleportation. Quick, Turlick, fetch the spell, and we'll soon be borne away by the wings of magic. Well, right, yeah, so this, uh, hmm, well, this should be the scroll, but... But? Instead of a spell, it merely bears the sketch of a hand with the middle finger upturned. Why, those despicable. Oh, this time, Billock, I fear we are truly defeated. Nothing can move faster than instantaneous teleportation, except... Except? What possible exception could there be? If I take this old key thusly and rub upon it... Turlick. Turlock, you're a genius. A TARDIS. We can not only arrive at the Dire Princeling stronghold before the Silver League has even left, but we can go back to the Bloodfang Talon Citadel, the Bear Owl Paragon's Nest, and the Snake Riders Underground Lair. And loot them before the Silver Miscreants do. Did. Well, you know what I mean. You know, Turlock, I feel that victory is finally within our grasp. To the police box and make haste. We don't really need to make haste now, do we, Billock? We can take as long as we like. We have a time machine. Ah, true, Turlock, true. Well, you fancy a quick weekend break in the gleaming kingdom of the Emerald Lakes? This podcast malarkey is quite good fun. True. We do get to talk to interesting people. They are very interesting, and we've had all sorts. Big names, old and new. How do we know who to talk to? Well, sometimes our patrons give us suggestions. What, so we try and get the people they want us to talk to on? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, and obviously they get the fullest version of the podcast. The fullest? They do? Yeah, yeah, you know, all the funny stories and random jokes and digressions. Really? People are missing out on those? Well, they're not news, are they? Oh, come on, but that's all my favourite bits. How can you avoid missing out? Ah, uh, well, that's easy. Uh, so just become a perfectly proper podcast patron. Perfectly proper podcast patron? What? How? Well, you head along to patreon.com slash morris and subscribe there. Oh, well, how much does that cost? $50 a month? You'd think. I mean, it's certainly worth $50 a month, but oh, yeah. uh, just a dollar. 
Is it? Mate, that's like 25 cents an episode. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Ah. Patreon.com dot Morris. M-O-R-R-U-S. M-O-R-R-U-S. Cheers. I'll check that out. So, Doc, you're head of streaming for Kerbal Press, and Kerbal Press are, I think, it's fair to say, probably the biggest third-party mm. fifth-edition um, publisher out there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely prolific, and they do a lot of really mm. high-quality um, mm. sort of hardcover books, and they've got the Midgard setting, and the whole, uh, you know, they're... Oh, Team of Beasts, Team of Beasts 2. Yeah, I don't think anyone listening needs us to introduce and tell them yeah. who, Kerbal Be- uh, who Kerbal Press is. I think everyone knows. <laughs> But uh, cross, yeah. yeah. So, um, Doc, what is it? What is your role? What is what? What is the role of hmm. um, being in charge of streaming for a for a tabletop hmm. RPG company? Yeah, I mean, so I didn't actually. I've only been with Cobalt Press since hmm. November, actually. Um, so I have been streaming uh, as kind of a, a individual streamer and freelance TTRPG streamer for much longer than I've actually mm. been working for Cobalt Press, but that's what got me mm. to Cobalt Press, right? Like, cause I, I was producing a lot of my own things, mm. um, was doing this a whole lot. I started working for Gen Con. So I worked for Gen Con's uh, streaming team, uh, both when the convention is happening. Uh, and then of course, when they made the shift to online. So uh, I was doing this in like various capacities at like small times throughout the year, like different, uh, right? I work with uh, Dragon Con, if you're an Atlanta local, uh, you know, the Dragon Con scene. I work with them a lot. Um, and so it was kind of a natural, this like slowly natural progression. And eventually Cobalt uh, started looking for somebody new to produce their Twitch channel. Mm. And I I jumped all over that. Mm. I was like, hey, yeah. I love Cobalt mm. Press. Uh, if y'all are up for the quirkiest of uh, gals, uh, I'm down uh, to clown. So that's uh, kind of how I got there. And then um, my job really entails, so it entails kind of a couple different things. And you mentioned earlier, a community manager were bringing in. So one of the things that Cobalt Press has done is actually separate the Twitch production mm-hmm. job from community mm-hmm. management because they are different mm. um, in terms of what the job entails, right? So uh, we have our like social media manager and community manager, uh, Victoria Rogers. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, and so she's handling all the social media, all the customer service, and then um, like our Discord mm. uh, connections and those kinds of things, which is really heavy community management. Mm-hmm. But my job focus is mostly entirely on Twitch itself, both the casting process, uh, the planning process, money-making process, the live production, contracts, all the like bells yeah, and yeah. whistles that go along with that. And then assuring that the kind of content we want is like that we're curating is what we're actually wanting, right? So I do a lot of scheduling around our Kickstarters um, and saying, okay, this is dropping. So how do we highlight mm-hmm. that best, uh, right? We have a weekly talk show. So I'm the host of our weekly talk show called Cobalt Chats, mm-hmm. uh, where we interview everybody from guest designers that are contributing to our stuff. Uh, Wolfgang comes on a lot. So, you know, you don't mm-hmm. get a lot of Wolfgang time anymore because he's a very, very busy man who is, of course, the founder of the company. If you don't know Cobalt, Cobalt Press. We just had our 15th anniversary, so we had a big 15th anniversary stream uh, that was like a seven-hour shindig. So Ouch. my job is really hours. to wrangle. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a very it was a very long event, but that's it was really a, that's awesome. A, that's a lot of coffee. It was a lot of coffee. It was a lot of planning, but it was kind of. I mean, that's what they hire me for, right? It's like I came out of live entertainment. Mm. Uh, mm. I was an actor to begin with. Um, my my first degree, uh, my BFA is in in media and performing arts, and then I have a minor in set design and production uh, for stage and film. And so I have been in the entertainment industry in some way. Shape or form for a very long time. Uh, I had an agent for a while. I did the in front of the camera thing quite a lot. And I found that I was actually really 
unfulfilled mm. like on like I was not being fulfilled by my acting and I like, right. couldn't figure out why and so um, I was a cosplayer and that's actually where I got started on Twitch mm. I was a cosplayer um, I had a cosplay channel and then I got invited over to um, an RPG channel to play like D&D just like one day on for like a community game day and then I was like wait a second I have been begging people to play D&D with me forever here in Atlanta mm. like I, I have to force people to sit down really? and roll dice with me you mean there are people on the internet who just want to play with me <laughs> like I don't have to do that and so Ooh. it kind of shifted my mentality mm. I took all of the tech knowledge that I had from theater sound video design uh, video editing all of that brought it over and started producing using all my producer skills that I was using for stage and screen and and applied them to kind of twitch and then um in 2015, I went and got my master's degree in um, business, basically, creative business, entrepreneurship. And so uh, being able to apply that to this is also super important because Twitch is really, um, when you're not looking at it as an individual, right? Mm. I'm not my channel, dot. Yeah, yeah. But when you have a brand like Cobalt Press who takes on a Twitch channel, you're looking at marketing dollars. You're looking at ad dollars. Mm. That's what it is. It, it is a platform to advertise the products that we have for sale um, and, and show the best ways that you can use them, right? So that's why we get these incredible role players. That's why we run eight-week campaigns. Uh, that's why we bring on uh, Luke Gygax to come talk about his con contribution to Vault of Magic, yeah. right? So that's um, that's how I look at Cobalt Press's Twitch channel. Mm. Um, as an individual, my Twitch channel is very different. <laughs> and I, I participate in a lot of other uh, Twitch channels as well. I produce for a podcast, which is also a totally different mm. thing. So I come from the producing standpoint from a lot of different angles. Um, but I have really already enjoyed my time with Cobalt Press. And um, we're like moving and grooving. We've produced a few shows under since I have come on board. Um, and we have one getting ready to start on Monday, a right. brand new the, one. The, produ the production of these shows, that's what you find really fulfilling. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and getting to, you know, because I think um, I have found uh, that there is there is an interesting new market that is arising on Twitch, right? Twitch was built as a platform for individuals. It was for people, persons, one persons, maybe your your best friend, to start a channel and be able to make money via gaming. Mm -hmm. Twitch has evolved massively over the last few okay. years. No longer, obviously, does it just include uh, gaming. Uh, in fact, the top category is just chatting. Oh, right. But it's, yeah, that changed over in 2020. Why? Because everybody started a Twitch channel and not everybody plays video games, but it's totally free to start a Twitch channel. So a lot of individuals launched Twitch channels to just chat or to uh, stream their podcast while they're recording or like these kinds of things. And so we saw this mass influx on Twitch in, in 2020 uh, specifically. I imagine we're going to see that dip back down for those people that are going to go back into some level of normalcy when the world gets back to hopefully where it is we want it to be in 2022 uh but um that being said it was built as an in a platform for individuals and the tabletop industry has found a place in twitch but has had to create its own path to get there right. because your twitch channel mm -hmm. raises bits tips yes and subscriptions, right? I literally yeah. have no Which is a idea great how model. Right. <laughs> you basically got like a group of people, like it might be look a little bit something like this Zoom call where you've got like a bunch of windows. And then in the side, there's like a little chat thing going along, mm -hmm. which blazes away with lots of people talking to each other. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen that, but I just yeah. don't. Okay. Oh, so you mean the monetary yeah. side? Yeah. You don't understand yeah. how it works. Okay, so interesting. So Twitch has set up, because it's Twitch, its own currency mm. called bits. Right. So I take my $1 and I turn into 100 bits. Right. 
to some degree. That's not the exact uh, money transference, but it's it's similar. So I turn my real dollars into Twitch dollars, and then I use those Twitch dollars to cheer in the chat. Mm. Right. To give that to the individual. Right. Twitch also has a subscription model, which means for as little as I think five dollars starting, you can subscribe. And when you subscribe, you gain access to additional things. Um, this is an interesting conversation around subscriptions because subscriptions actually are not money makers. Twitch keeps half of a subscription. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other half is really an exchange for something, Ooh. which means, yes, it is going in the pocket of the. The content the creator. Streamer, yeah. mm. The content creator mm. of, of a sort. But really, they're getting extra stuff for subscriptions. They're getting emotes, right? So it's already an exchange happening. Right. And then there's the option, this is not through Twitch, to set up through a secondary source like Streamlabs is the most frequently used. But you've also got something called Stream Elements that does the same mm. thing, where people can give just liquid dollars, right? Like, I want to give cash. Um, and I'm going to tip you, right? Um, do not use the term donation, Y'all, unless you are a 501c3 nonprofit, you don't accept donations. That is actually a legal term that is used for money that is given with no quid pro quo. That is not what you do on your channel. You do not accept mm. donations. You accept tips. It's essentially you're doing like a little mini contract, um, something in it's exchange mini, yeah. for service. In exchange for money, yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. And the, the fact of the matter is like I'm here playing this video yes. game or I'm here talking to you and you, you donate. You know, in TTRPG, I do a goal bar. So as a GM, um, I love for my audience to feel like they're involved. Again, I think I think TTRPGs on Twitch have set a different standard. They're in a different realm. We have built our own path for them, right? Because Twitch, as it stands, is built for individuals, not groups of individuals, not businesses. Mm. There, it's not. No, it no. is not set up that way. It is set up to it to support the individual. So when you start getting things like groups of people, that a hundred bits is now not to one person. Mm. Or it's now to five yeah, yeah, people, yeah. right? Or it's directed towards the labor of five people. But I think, and part of the reason why I asked you on the podcast was because you have very strong views mm-hmm. on this. It's it goes to one person, presumably the host, right? And that is presumably I don't know. And again, it just depends. Like this is the thing: it depends on how you run your channel, right? I don't feel if I am running a video game stream on my channel. Let's say I'm playing, I don't know, Dragon Age. Perfect, great. A dot's over there playing Dragon Age, and I'm the only person on the screen. When you tip me, you're tipping yeah. dot, direct, yes. right? When I'm running a TTRPG, you're tipping all of us. So that ten dollars that you give to me individually goes a lot farther to me individually than it does to five different sure. people. Yeah, it's yeah. the difference between getting ten dollars and two dollars, and the audience doesn't often recognize that. Right? Because if they did, would they give more money? So what, the audience tends to think they're just tipping the GM? Is that... Tipping the GM, which is also a really unhealthy culture. Um, Now, there are a lot of... There are a lot of feels about this because it's like, well, me and my friends just started a channel and we don't have the audience to raise money. Right? I I hear that a lot. Or we're not in a place... Or we decided we're just a group of friends playing and we don't care about Mm. money. Then my question is, why are you accepting it? Then don't accept it. Just be an entertainment Mm. channel. Right? And that's not to say... What if somebody wants to give $50? Well, look, if if your grandma wants to support the podcast and give you 50 bucks, then talk to your players and be like, hey, we got $50. Where do we want to put it? Do y'all want $10 a piece or would we rather cover expenses for the month? And if they choose to cover expenses and these are people that are not, and your friends are not interested in, say, being paid, recognize that that in and itself is a business model. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether or not you like that or not, it's it is a it is a a kind of business model in itself to not accept money in exchange for entertainment. Free entertainment is what YouTube is built off of, mm, y'all. Mm, mm. Yeah, 
right? It's what YouTube is built off of. It's built off that idea of free entertainment for uh, It's sort of a bit like live-action role-playing, which the LARPs that we yes. mentioned earlier, but often the organizer will get paid, but they cannot run their event without a horde, a horde, a big host of volunteers. A horde of people. Yeah, who yeah. work for free right? because they love it. Yeah. Because mm. they love it. Yeah. So it's it's a really difficult place that we're in, right? Because the path that TTRPG has paved over the last few years has taken us from a realm of just hobbies to entertainment. Mm. And that's the difference. Nice. That's the difference. When we start talking about our TTRPGs being entertainment, mm. do you at what point do you think Critical Role was like, we're, we don't want to be paid? Probably only the first little bit, mm. right? And I only use Critical Role because we all understand Critical Role. But would you look at those actors who are very good at their job, who do this by day, who bring an extraordinary level of talent to the table, and some of them even have degrees, right? They have been trained in entertainment, yeah. but they also love gaming. Yes. Would you expect Critical Role to work without pay? Mm. No. So when we start looking at what I call middle tier shows, right, these ones in between that may be running on a gaming channel like Cobalt Press or the Roll20 uh, channel or um, like Onyx Path right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, Ulysses Spila has a huge channel specifically only done in German, mm -hmm. FYI. Nice. Um, so do you expect those people, because I'm hiring entertainers for my mm -hmm. channel. That is how I look at it. I am a producer. My job is to go out and find fantastic entertainers. And to bring them to the table so that they are going to build cool characters. They're going to bring a high level of talent and quality to the table. And I understand that not all channels are going to be like right. that. Or maybe you're breaking into the scene, which means you may have to have your friends. Or you may have to reach out to people that aren't or haven't quite broken into the scene yet. Like that's the term that people use, which mm -hmm. I hate. But um, Breaking into the scene being sense. defined as... Breaking breaking into the scene as if as if you um, are not a part of it when you arrive. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like get, getting like right. a certain... Um, Critical, a uh, certain mass of popularity, is that? Yeah, oh. or following, hmm. right? Um, like a lot of people, um, I think there are a lot of people that see opportunity or join like community game days that are open and free, right? And then they really enjoy it. And now they want to break into like, go from being a hobbyist mm -hmm. table, right? Which again is kind of a difficult term because I'm not entirely sure I even like that, right? Mm -hmm. But a table that doesn't care about being paid yeah. to being paid. Because if you don't care about being paid, there are a ton of Twitch channels that would love to Well, have I guess you. it's amateur versus professional. People who are doing it literally for uh, love uh, it yeah, versus exactly. people doing it to be paid. Yeah, okay. To be paid. Yeah. And there is there is a very negative connotation around this idea of like, well, I played TTRPGs for 20 years and nobody ever got paid. Yeah, but we didn't have Twitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we didn't have YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we hadn't paved the way for this kind of live entertainment. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about your friends sitting around at home playing Dungeons and Dragons around a table, which I did for 12 mm -hmm. years before I realized that it could be a form of... So touching mm -hmm. on that, then, when, mm -hmm. when a game like D&D, for example, is played on Twitch as a form of entertainment, as opposed to the way... If we just started to play a game now, we'd just mm. be playing it for ourselves. Yeah. Is it, would you say, it's played in a different way? Is there a different focus? Is it, does it feel different? What's the... Um, that's a great question. I think for me, if I'm paying you, there's no expectation, mm -hmm. right? If I'm going to pay you, you got to show up, yeah. right? I'm going to have a contract, which is now business mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I'm going to compensate you in other ways too. Like if you come over to Cobalt, you get an entire five PDF packet of our core, Ooh. right? So you get the Midgard World yeah. book, you get, right? So you're you're getting uh, uh, something as well as dollars in yeah, return, yeah. Um, right? So there's a different level of expectation. It's the same thing of being like, hey, I volunteer at this business mm. and I work mm. for this business. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? If I volunteer, I show up to help because I charitably want to show up and help, um, right? Which is why a lot of charity streams, you don't get paid for charity no. streams, right? Because we're there raising money for somebody else. This isn't about me getting yeah, yeah. paid. 
which is why I do charity streams totally for That's free. Cool. But at some point in my own my own journey, I had to get to the point where I could no longer accept streams for free, mm, yeah. other than, like I said, charity streams. And it was an interesting shift for me because I was coming out of being an actor where I was constantly told you basically worked for free uh, and you uh, you did it for exposure. And then I got into this industry and there was an, a, a, a community of people inside of the TTRPG that also believed mm -hmm. that. Um, and I very much was like, no, I think if I'm going to run TTRPGs on my channel, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to figure out a way to pay you Ooh. or I won't be producing it. And so for me, moving forward, I knew that I wanted quality. Yes. I wanted people to show up, mm -hmm. right? And now I'm paying people that are voice actors, yeah. that understand um, because they've studied acting, because they are writers or literature majors, they understand uh, the structure of story. Mm -hmm. They understand the character development. Yeah. Right, which means that the choice, they understand improv, the games and rules of improv in terms of sharing and collaborating at a table. Um, you know, by when I'm not working for Cobalt Press, I'm the marketing director for an, a comedy and improv house here mm. in Atlanta. That's what I do by day. Yeah. Um, so I believe wholeheartedly in a collaborative storytelling process. And so there's, there is a different mindset. So hear me when I say, if you've got a channel and you and your friends are like doing your thing, do mm. it. Mm. But the moment you start thinking about earning dollars mm. and passing that or distributing it out, you got to start talking business, right? Okay. You got to start talking, how do I earn that money? How do I make it worth their pay, right? I hear people all the time go, oh, I wish I could just get Matt Mercer on my show. You would choke if you knew what his mm. rates are, right? And then on the occasion, he does a lot of charity stuff. Like Matt yeah. Mercer is an incredible human that will like show up to just about any charity thing yeah. ever. But if you want him to come and mm -hmm. use his talents mm. on your product, which is what it mm -hmm. is, you got to pay those dollars mm -hmm. and you got to figure out how to do it. When I, um, I launched a podcast in 2020 with some friends, a Vampire the Masquerade podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one person I was like, I want this person. He's a oh, friend, yeah. but I also know that he is a professional voiceover mm -hmm. actor um, for a couple of large scale video games. And I was like, I need to know your rates. Mm -hmm. So when he told me his rates, I was like, okay, now I need to know everybody else's rates at my table. I can figure out like what our average rate is for everybody. Yeah. And then I decided the first season would not be funded by my audience. Right. Hmm. That the first season was going to be funded by dollars that I went out and found. Oh, okay. Now that is a different mindset than a lot of people enter their Twitch streams yeah. with, which is like, we're here performing, give us your money, which is very different than me going out and sourcing out the few thousand dollars it took up front wow. to source the first season of my podcast, which means I got to put it out at no expense to my audience, uh -huh. which means when season two rolled around and I launched a Patreon, we met our first goal of about a thousand dollars in two months. Okay, so it's sort of. Um, and now the podcast is fully funded by yeah. itself, yeah. right? So you you had to get the initial capital together so that you could put on the podcast that you wanted, and then mm -hmm. from that, that was a good way to say, look, we have this product. This is what we do. If you like it, please support yeah. our Patreon. Yeah, mm. we basically box wrapped season one and we're like, hey, if here's this is a thing. It can always just be a thing. And if y'all don't fund us, we don't get a season two. It is just a project yeah. we did. It's a great piece of story. We loved it. It was mm. awesome. Um, but people loved mm. it, which was a great, uh, which was great. And then they were like, no, no, we want more. And I said, okay, now is your turn to meet us halfway, mm -hmm. right? I'm still going out and finding sponsorships. I'm still going out and finding um, individual uh, people to give to the podcast, like um, what I call anonymous donors, quote unquote, um, right? To give to the podcast, which is how I funded 
the entire first yeah. season. The first season of my podcast was funded through sponsorships. Yeah. I had two major sponsorships ah. and uh, two individuals that gave at high dollar mm. amounts. And I funded the first season, 15 episodes of that podcast with a legitimate voice actor for about $3,500. Wow. That's a so, lot of money. So are, right? there, is, are there people out there, I'm not sure there must be, um, because it's just a, a logical extension from what you were just saying, people who literally just make a living being freelance guests on other people's shows to play D&D or whatever. Is that is that mm-hmm. a thing that people can do? I mean, I I do. I make half of what I, like I'd say, or a third really, right? Because I'm marketing director and then Cobalt Press and then a third of what I do is just on yeah. other people's channels. Mm-hmm. In fact... Um, I'm not producing anything right now on my channel because I'm involved in so many things on other channels. But like I said, I've also hit the point where I was like, no, I don't do it without getting paid. Mm. Um, So that's also changed the amount of offers Mm -hmm. I receive because you would be amazed at the amount of people that are like, would you do, would you do a 20 week game? Yeah. That's a lot of hours. No, I, there's no way. If you wanted to come to me and be like, Hey, we've got four weeks on my podcast and I'd really love for you to guest. I'm I depending on my schedule and what your offer is, I might actually swing that for you, right? Uh, part of it is the mm. offer. Are you asking me? Like I've had people come on and go, we have a we ha- we're starting a forever D and D game. We don't even know when it's going to end, but we're going to meet every Friday night for five hours a session. Yeah, the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I was like, y'all, y'all, do you understand what I can do yeah. as a as a freelance producer in five hours? So you have to understand you're paying for mm, my mm. time, and time is literally yeah. money. Uh, this is something I used to teach a finance class to um, artists because that's what I specialize in is like mm-hmm. freelance creatives and artists. Um, I used to help consult on their businesses. Yeah. And one of the things I used to teach about financing is um, your time. Mm. Do you budget for your time? Do you actually put dollars on your time? Because it is valuable. Um, and I use the example of making a lasagna. Like, okay, you are a suburban mom. You are tasked with making a lasagna or feeding the class on Friday, like your kid's class on Friday. Do you go out and buy a Stouffer's lasagna or do you make a lasagna from scratch? Let's just see how much it's going to cost you with this mom's time, groceries, and all of that to make this lasagna. I can go out and buy a $25 Stouffer's lasagna and feed all 10 of those kids or 12 of those kids for maybe $30. Mm -hmm. But by the time I try to make it myself, right, and I put her time, even if it's at minimum wage, right? So $10 an hour, which we know this soccer mom is worth a lot more than that because she's busy and she's running around town and she might also have a job, right? So you you value your time, uh, put a dollar amount on it. And then you got to add in prep, shopping, gas, right? And you add in all of the pieces. And what happens is when we budget for our shows or when we start to set standards for our shows, we forget all the middle stuff. We forget to budget our time. We forget to budget for uh, the, the the gas it took to get to the grocery store, right? That, that in-between stuff. And what happens is those get absorbed later on and the show never ends up making money because we fail to make a plan mm. for how best to mm. make that money. Yeah. Um, and we don't actually account for the things that matter most, which is what I tell a lot of streamers who are like, I'm going to start a TTRPG channel. And I'm like, okay, wouldn't it just be a lot easier for you to go guest mm. on TTRPG mm-hmm. channels? Yeah. Wouldn't it be a lot easier? Like, what is what is your TTRPG channel going to offer that we don't already have? And that's the that, now that's a hard pill to swallow in business, right? Which is like, do we need another ketchup company? No. Mm-hmm. We have 50 ketchup companies in yeah. America. Go in any grow grocery store and you can, it takes me 10 minutes to pick out ketchup. <laughs> Why? Because there's too many damn options. Which tells you that actually we have diluted our audiences. Mm. If we have too much, yeah. 
then where then people right? can only donate so much money. They've only got so much discretionary. So much money, or they can only su- support so many like they, people. They have a number. Right? So part in of their the head. In- this is my mm-hmm. Twitch budget. I'll give ten dollars to Twitch, and if you are providing exactly what I want, then you get to have all ten dollars. But if there's someone who's basically doing the same thing, or ten people doing it, yep. each of you gets a dollar each, and then well, on, on, on the flip side of that, though, because there might be more mm. and more and more shows starting, and mm. sometimes you might think, do we need more and more and more of these different shows, these different brands, mm. brands of ketchup? But is the audience growing as well, especially mm. in the last eighteen it, months or so? I'd have- I would definitely say we're seeing a growth in tabletop yeah. audience. Um, I pull a lot of data from uh, uh, like outside sites and then um, work with a friend to like merge it and make some calls on Twitch that you're just not going to get from your analytics board. So uh, a huge misconception is that the D&D tag is actually more popular than the tabletop RPG tag. That is wrong. I have hard numbers to prove that that is wrong. Um, right? So people will be playing, um, they may be playing an indie RPG, but they use the, the Dungeons and Dragons tag because everybody's looking to watch D&D lies that is lies somebody has told you that and it is an unproven fact uh the fact of the matter is the ttrpg uh tag on twitter or on twitch has a much larger viewer audience than D yeah. does no. interesting. why because a lot of people are now interested in watching things other mm. than dd um and it includes a tabletop includes a lot a lot of other stuff um, which is kind of, which i think is, is very interesting but that being said we are growing an audience that is I mean, we were talking about that earlier. Like, look at just the growth of... of, No, Wizards of the Coast, uh, yeah. Wizards, right? Of the coast alone. So, yes, I believe it is growing. But the question is, does our audience, our audience who's going out and spending $60 a book, Mm. along with all of the cards they need or all the minis they need, are they in a place to continue to support the entertainment side of that? Mm. The answer probably partially is no, which is why you can't rely entirely on your audience. You have to diversify your funding streams. Yeah. Nothing that I have ever produced comes from mm. one place. Mm. Well, I think there's also nothing. The, the money doesn't also come a case from one of place. Sort of persuading the audience that what you are doing is a product worth paying for, because what you know it is, and you know it involves work and it involves time and effort and expertise and uh, you know all, all that stuff. From an audience's point of view, it's like, well, it's just on my computer for free. I can mm. just look, yeah. Right. So why don't I just go yeah. uh, go and view it? Which is why things like very select, like me as a producer, I'm always looking at my mm. cast. Mm. Diversif- to diversify your audience, you have to diversify yeah. your cast. Okay. Okay. So that's a very simple one, right? Like, that's like bare minimum, mm. uh, lowest hanging yeah. fruit knowledge. Diversify your cast. Um, pay them because you're going to get a higher quality mm. entertainer yeah. who also loves yes. gaming. Now, I'm not saying go out and like get an actor, yeah. bless you, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> and come but to our table. do get um, Jeff Goldblum. If Jeff Goldblum says, I'd like to your podcast, you say yes. <laughs> but I think uh, I think what we're seeing is definitely this, mm. this, this change. And so diversify your income streams. I'll be real transparent because I believe business should be transparent. Uh, this idea that the corporate world hides everything behind walls is how we take advantage of people. Um, it's how we take advantage of people mm. because we don't have to tell them the mm. truth. Um, and the truth is on my channel, I have multiple income streams, yeah. right? I have a yeah. Patreon, a little red dot Patreon that funds things on my channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I look to specific sponsors. Now, one of the biggest mistakes I think gaming companies are making is that they are trying. And this is so funny because here I am such a hypocrite. I work for a gaming yeah. company who has a Twitch channel as their Twitch producer. So please take everything I say with a grain of salt. Mm. But the trends that I'm seeing are the most successful TTRPG streams are not on gaming channels. Oh. They're on individual right. channels. Interesting. Okay, yeah. The, the last quarter of numbers mm. show that only three major gaming companies landed in the top 100 TTRPG channels on oh, Twitch. Okay. The rest of the 97 
We're all individuals. Mm-hmm. So my question for gaming companies always is, if you're going to go launch a channel, why? Mm. Why wouldn't you take all that money, all that energy, and go give it to streamers who are already set up to do this, who are better at it than you are? Take that $500 or $1,000 and go put it in the hands of somebody like um, incredible people, like uh, like um, uh, like Tanya, mm. right? Um, right? Uh, or Cypher of Tears, yes. you yeah, know, yeah. Or, or Critical Bard, or these mm. people that have a great followings, love to tell stories, mm. um, and are really good at what they do, right? Look, let's talk about the, the TTRPG shows that have rocked our world in 2020. Mm-hmm. I bet you can't tell me one that was on a branded network, like a branded TTRPG, uh, like Cobalt uh, Press, for example, or Wizards of the Coast, uh, not including Critical Role, right? We, they're the anomaly. We don't include them in our stuff. As indicated before, I'm afraid neither of us are particularly up on the uh, streams. So I might have a guess at Dark Dice because we mentioned them earlier today. Right. But, uh, but again, they're individuals. Mm. They are not Cobalt yes. Press. They are not Wizards of the Coast. They are not um, Renegade Ooh. Games. Right, that those are yes. brands that are trying to use a platform that was actually built for individuals. Yes, yeah. Um, I guess an obvious answer to why a brand might set up its own channel is control. Um, if you, yeah, they want to be able to control the and content, dictate what comes out, and maybe that control and the ability to say, well, actually, this is a product that's come out, and we'd like to see it supported. Uh, they appreciate the direct guess, control that they have I over I guess it. the goal of a brand channel is different to that of an individual's anyway. An individual mm. might be trying to make money directly from the activity of performing on a stream, whereas yeah. a brand, mm-hmm. that's a secondary goal. The primary goal is to promote yep. the products that they mm. are selling elsewhere. Yep, but Twitch is a channel who has built an audience around watching yeah. people, not brands. So my question to you is, you want people to give money? Uh, I, and I'll, I'll just be, I mean, I, like I said, I'll be very transparent. On Cobalt Press, I have a lot harder time giving people to give hard to dollars. Yeah. They don't mind the yeah. subscription, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we're a company. They'd rather go buy the product. So the way that I look at whether or not my Twitch channel is successful is less about whether or not we made mm. money that night and how many sales I indirectly sent to our yeah, website, yeah. right? Um, in fact, we found that obviously VTTs have blown yes. up in the last yeah. two years. So we're now dumping, we make a lot more, we make great money on mm-hmm. VTTs. So now we're converting all of our yeah, product yeah. to VTTs. Mm. And so I do a lot of sharing of Roll20, mm. showing our, our campaigns in that, right? Because my they're not going to give me $50 for showing them how to use a campaign mm-hmm. in Roll20. Instead, they're just going to yeah, go yeah. buy it. So as a brand, you're looking at a different kind of income mm. versus the individual. But the fact of the matter is, people on Twitch are used to watching yes. people, not yeah. brands, and supporting people and not brands, which is why when I have goal bars, right, when I do a stream, my goal bars are filled together. There's none of this, oh, give us $50 and you get to give somebody a D20 or you get to tell us what happens in the world. When my audience starts to dictate my story, they take it away from the table, which actually changes the kind of entertainment it is. So I do a collective bar. Uh, It'll vary occasionally. Sometimes I call it the corruption bar. Sometimes I call it the drama bar, depending on what kind of campaign I'm running. Um, Like I ran a teens in space campaign and it was very like Xenon Girl of the 21st century. So they had a lot of teen drama. So it was a drama bar, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I set that bar based on what I need to cover the expenses of my players for the night. So if they're each being paid $25 for the show, right, I need to make $100. So the goal goal bar for just that night is not going to say I need X amount of money for Mm. the month. It's going to say tonight we need $100 to cover this cast. Since I have started doing things that way, I have helped adapt it to other channels who have found it extremely successful. They've seen almost 100% increase in their income. 
um, my channel has never not been able to pay its uh, players by doing that. Much. Okay. So the immediacy of it, the saying, um, if you give us this money, it will pay for these people right here, right now that you're enjoying. Right here, right that now. That helps. But note what you said. It will pay for these people. Yes. We as people, oh. like I as Dot as the individual, oh. I'm asking you to help me pay mm. these people. That is not the message I send over at Cobalt mm. Press because no, it doesn't no. work. The audience expects Cobalt Press to pay these players because they are, in essence, the head of this production company. So what they're going to do instead is go support Cobalt yeah, Press, yeah. the brand. Uh, so, again, uh, how much gold bars am I really looking at? Mm. I'm not. I'm mostly looking at subscriptions and bits for people to, like, cheer while we're going live. Okay. And then I'm sending them out into the world to try to support the Twitch channel through mm. indirect sales. So right. People and companies is the two different types of of, of, of uh, entities that would be using. I've also seen another type, which I guess is sort of in between those, and that would be those um, outfits which uh, are like a group of people, maybe with a rotating cast, who specifically put on like uh, around like table stories. When I know of, uh, there was. Table Story, for the record, had the highest number. They had higher numbers and viewership numbers than Wizard of the Coast. Table Story is wow. awesome. Yeah. Double. Yeah. Let me rephrase yeah. that. Woo. Double. So my question is, why isn't Wizard of the Coast just well, paying yeah, so I've, Because they're I've a lot more Table Story, I think, four or five times now over the last few years to run games that mm. I've written. And that, I think, has worked out really, really, really well for me. But but my, yeah. my point is, kind of, that's, that's kind of like a, a, a middle ground kind of entity using the platform which is different to a company and it's different to an individual how do, how does that fit in and yeah. how common is that it's definitely common so i call that a ttrpg right. network mm. we have a couple of those right unmade yeah. gaming ttrpg network right um uh you've got table story you've got what is it off the table was one you've got a yeah. there's a bunch of them right and these are people these are not just people these are groups of people that run a mm. network mm. Like you might run a podcast network that has lots of different shows under it, right? Technically, Wizards of the Coast channel is a Wizards of right. the Coast network. And then you have another one to consider, which I think is really interesting, which are the VTT options. Roll20 is different than Wizards because it is not actually, Roll20 is not actually putting out the games right, that are right. being played. It can play a slew of games from different producers. It's actually promoting its sure, Ah, yeah. this is the Roll20. So what it's selling is Roll20. This Roll is Roll20 Twitch yeah, travel. Roll is that right? Right, okay. Mm -hmm. The Roll20 Twitch okay. channel. And we, there are a couple others of those, right? I think um, uh, there's a couple other VTTs that are like groups that have those channels, right? That aren't, they are a brand. They're not the gaming company. They're not a group of individual TTRPGers that have started a network. They are a platform that hosts other TTRPGs. So I, I will get to your question. What we're learning is that there are various forms yes. of businesses. And understanding which one you are and how you work it is super important. So my best friend is Mike from Unmade Gaming. Unmade Gaming is not Mike's channel. It's a TTRPG network that plays just three shows a week. I am Little Red Dot, a person. I have a Twitch channel. Occasionally, I occasionally I produce TTRPG as a person. That is the difference between mine and Mike's channel. The way he markets Unmade Gaming and the way I market my channel are different. Um, and the way we find funding and earn funding are different. Uh, now to loop back around to these network companies. I believe these net there are a few things. Now we have seen um, over the last year and a half, a lot of networks, TTRPG networks, close their doors because of unethical business practices. Um, uh, just flat yeah. out. Like a lot of things were called out. Um, a lot of unsafe things got mm. called out and a lot of I'm companies of that- I mean, without necessarily, yeah. if, you, if you don't feel comfortable naming names, but what sort of things are we um, talking other than- We're talking, we're talking TTRPG yeah. networks, right? That 
had a lot yeah. of sponsorship, made a lot of money, and it was very obvious because they were running six or mm -hmm. seven shows a week, and the money was going to the individuals running the channels right. and nobody oh. else. Right, okay. Now, no. oh, yeah, now Dot runs a, an occasional TTRPG every quarter or so, right? And I focus on mm -hmm. one thing. When you get a network that is making six figures in sponsorships and things, and that is going to the individual who mm -hmm. owns the channel, but nobody under you is being paid. Now, let's just do Ooh, some math. Goodness. Let's say six shows a week at four cast members. Bare minimum, somewhere between 25 and 30 people, right? Give or take a four-person table, a five-person table, right? Are not getting paid. Yet their talents, their efforts are what are making your channel successful. So my question is, why wasn't there? And they got called out and they did it for years. This company did and it got them in right. a little bit of trouble. And the problem was, is they became a predecessor and a lot of other channels copied yeah. their model, which I think, again, is why. So there's confusion, right? The streamer thought, this is my TTRPG channel. The audience thought this is yeah. a network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a level of transparency and question of what the business model yeah. was. Had that been clear from the beginning that this is a not a network, that this is a channel that's going to produce a lot of TTRPG every week and all that money is supporting the one person that runs it, right, or manages mm -hmm. it, the audience may have felt differently about how mm -hmm. they gave their money. They might have been less keen. Right? They might have seen um, it as a brand uh, which they were happy to support right? with subscriptions rather than individuals right. that they're sure, trying to yeah. support with their mm -hmm. individual things, yeah. Right. So so it's mm. difficult, right? Because a lot of the pitch, and I was there. When I came in, it was the the talk of conversation was like, nobody gets paid to do this. We do this for exposure. And I'm like, okay, but I get all this exposure for what, right? It actually should be about, and, and compensation comes in many forms. And so I always, I always hesitate to say, you got to give them money, right? Money is one thing. But there are lots of forms of converse, uh, compensation. I actually talked about that in that um, viral tweet that went out. Compensation comes in many forms. If you are a table that is not making a lot of money, but you still want to compensate your players, why haven't you reached out to a dice company about free mm. dice? Why haven't you reached out to a small scale shop that you might be able to pay to make you um, unique dice bags to send as a thank you gift Ooh. afterwards? I do that for every one of oh. my cast. I At the end, I send them a thank you letter and a dice bag that mm. I have paid for. Right? Why? Because it makes you feel like your time is valued. That your presence is more than just being used, which oftentimes happens, right? So you're honoring uh, the so social side of the thing. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Like, things can it, be scaled in various ways. It feels ways. a bit like uh, with things like, um, like bake sales and charity sales at a school, say. People don't expect mm -hmm. to be paid, but if they've done a lot of work for it, Rather than saying, well, here's $10, thanks very much, that's all we can afford. You get them $10 of flowers exactly. or $10 of chocolate, that is right. a different Right, or we give, them, we give them a, a luncheon yeah. afterwards where everybody comes together, yeah. right? Like, I think about the DragonCon does such mm. a great job because it's a volunteer-run convention. Yes. They do such a great job with their volunteers. So throughout the year, they do these big volunteer days where you just come out and you're not volunteering. You get to go to a giant arcade where they've paid for the whole place mm. to be free for the day. Or they pay for dinner for everyone. Right, yeah. exactly. Choice. Like, what a great way to thank people. So I think when we talk about ethics and business, what we're talking about is a way to make people not feel... Some of this is just, some right? of this is just this is not social a free interaction one though, isn't it? This isn't really high-level mm. business ethics or anything. This is just no. how you yeah. how you interact with yeah, people. We can, we can get into high-level business and I can talk to you about how you should price things and what pri how price structure mm. works and the psychology behind how you make money and how I drive people. But I think the important thing is, if you are trying to do this, 
Decide what kind of channel you are. Are you an individual? Are you a brand? Are you a tabletop network? Find your competitors, mm. not critical role, because you are not going to be the next critical role. That's a hard pill to swallow. You're not. They are an anomaly. Okay. So find other channels. Mm. See what you like Mm. that they do. See what you could do Mm. better. And then ask yourself, is that actually what Mm. I need to do? Or would it be better for me to go out and find my place at other people's tables Mm. that are already established? Um, And some of those things require some self-reflection, which we're not all Mm. very great at sometimes. Um, And But you really have to ask yourself, am I being fair to the people that are supporting this? If you're coming to my channel and giving your talents and your energy, the least I can do is hustle Mm. to get you to some kind of compensation and pay and sometimes you're right like some people are like no i don't want your ten dollars but i've even set up something on my channel at the end um we have a pay split Mm. structure so you always get a stipend right you're gonna make x amount flat for just being part of this and then anything excess that we make gets split among the cast evenly Mm. so um on average my players earn a hundred dollars more than what they started with when i do a ttrpg um on yeah. average. Um, and at the end, I let people choose where mm. that money goes. Some people do this just for the mm. fun of it. And that is yeah. okay, too. But I still have to treat them like everybody else that wants to get paid. So they fill out a form. And on that form, they get to choose where mm. the money goes. Do you want to get paid? Do you want me to split it amongst the rest of mm-hmm. the cast? Do you want me to give it to a player that is financially struggling? Right? Or does this for a living? Like, do you want me to anonymously give it to that mm. person? Do you want it to go to mm. charity? And then I will donate your pay to charity. And you'd be amazed at the amount of people that are like, I don't want your $10, but please give it, give that $10 cool. yeah. to charity. Yeah, that seems like. Or some people just want to invest it in the next show. Sometimes people are like, no, keep the $10 and, and, and use it for the next yeah, TTRPG, right. which I think is also an interesting thing. But the choice yes. is important and treating everybody the same is important. Um, even if it's your best friend or your brother or your mama, I don't care. Your mama makes $50 just like everybody else. And then you can ask your mama where she wants it to go because that is ethical business yeah. practice. Um, I, I mean, so. I absolutely agree, Russ. This is like basic social understanding, but it's basic social understanding if you think about it. And I think that is, I think you'd agree there, Dot, you're nodding your head that that is something that a lot of streamers just, they haven't really thought about it. I mean, Yep. I, I only speak anecdotally because, as I say, I'm not very into it. There's a lot of people right. who just say, oh, we'll just start a stream. And then they just, they just start, yeah. they just start. I'm going to, I'm going to launch a, I'm going to launch a Twitch channel. It's like, cool. Do you know that every dollar you make on it, you're going to be taxed on? Oh, really? <laughs> because guess what? You're an individual. Yeah. And the United States government says if you as an individual make money, you still got to, it is still taxable, mm. right? Every dollar you make on Patreon, even if it is not the Patreon, like bare minimum of $20,000 or whatever for them to issue you a 1099, mm. you still got to clock that and pay right. taxes on it. Are you prepared to do that? Did you set money aside to pay taxes on income that you weren't planning yeah, on receiving? I've heard some uh, right? nightmares, not on Twitch so much, but people who mm. use Kickstarter and not accounted for taxes and suddenly got hit And not by accounting a for your taxes massive, or your fees. Massive bill that they had not planned for. Wow. You know, one of the things that I did this year is where I tried a new funding mm-hmm. option, which was uh, state mm-hmm. grants, oh, oh. artist grants to fund my channel. Oh, I received back in October a $10,000 grant from oh, the city oh. of Atlanta uh, to fund three shows on my oh. channel, which mm-hmm. covered everything. Um, I was even able to buy cameras uh, and mics for some people that were trying to make it in the mm-hmm. business but couldn't. Um, now, grants come with a lot of caveats, right? This is state dollars, which means they're going to tell yeah. you how to use it. Uh, you're going to have a lot of reporting, a lot of mm-hmm. tracking. Um, it, it's not just like, here's 10 yeah. grand, do it. Mm. Uh, so it's it's a it's got a lot more. You've got to um, provide a paper trail of what you've done it. with it. Yeah, right. 
But hmm. here's the thing. My taxes show I earned that 10 grand. Ooh. So now my annual income now looks 10 grand more than it right. did last year because I have to claim that on my individual taxes as an artist. So now I'm looking at needing to be smarter about how I show that that was used, right? Because I can do a lot of profit and loss there. I can show how that grant, that 10,000 was actually used to invest in equipment, expenses that I didn't actually earn it. I spent it. But anything that I did earn, right? Because I still, as the producer pocketed, $3,000 of that was mine to manage these three shows, right? That's how I wrote the grant and that's what they approved. So I still have to pay taxes on that three grand, right? Which is still tax money that I have to know mm -hmm. in advance that I need to do. And some of these things... We just don't know till mm -mm. you get there, which is why when you start any kind of business on your own, which is what you're doing when you start a Twitch channel, y'all, hear me. Mm. Um, when you start a Twitch it, channel, it just is. that accepts Expect yes. dollars, yes, that accepts dollars, dollars yeah. right? Mm. And even if you decide to go mm. through PayPal, you're like, oh, but I'm not an affiliate. Yeah, I can't accept those dollars, but I'm going to go through PayPal and just do a PayPal.me link. Y'all, you still have to, ta that money is still technically taxable. Mm -hmm. You can't just under the yeah. table it, right? At what point is your business big enough where you are paying people uh, more than, what is it, $600 in a year, which means you got to issue them a 1099. Mm. Now you're talking about paying income tax. Right. Mm. right? There's all these considerations we do not think about because all we can see is the end product of wanting to be like X, mm. Y, and Z. Or it's so easy to launch a Twitch channel. Yeah. It's like, yes. But when that snowball starts rolling, y'all, it's going to get bigger and bigger and c captures a lot mm. more things along the way that you as an individual or you as the leader of that channel, that brand, have to be ready and aware. So we are coming out of time, but there were yes. two things I quickly wanted to touch mm -hmm. on very quickly. Um, yeah. One is um, just a, a terminology thing. You mentioned terms like affiliate and partner and things like that a number of times um, during this conversation. Mm. What? Well, I mean, I've heard them before in terms of uh, Twitch users, but I'm not 100% clear on what those things are. Could you just quickly summarize? It's cool. Most Twitch streamers <laughs> aren't either, even your partners. Um, uh, so anybody yeah. can start a Twitch channel, right? I can go and launch a Twitch channel and start broadcasting as soon as I can. You cannot start accepting dollars through Twitch bits and subscriptions until right. you've become an affiliate. Now, affiliates, um, that's very exciting for a lot of people. Um, the amount of people they have accepted into the affiliate program in 2020 has grown exponentially. So it's really not as kind of greatly special. You've got a series of things you have to meet. Like you have to stream seven days in a month. You've got to meet or so many days in a month or a week. You've got to meet a certain amount of average viewership, which is only seven, by the way. Um, so the threshold to gain affiliate not, is very mm. low, but what it does is allows you to accept uh, subscriptions and bits, which benefits Twitch. Mm, mm. Let's be real. Yeah. Right? Twitch gets half your subscriptions. And, so forth, yeah. and it's going through their mm. Twitch dollars. Okay, so you understand when you join the affiliate program, they have very, like, as long as you meet the bare minimum, they are very rarely not going to accept you into it mm. because the fact of the matter is they right, benefit right. just mm. as much as you do. Now, the partnership piece is a lot harder. 1% of Twitch is mm -hmm. partnered. 1%. Mm. Um, it's a much more rigorous process. You have to prove things like 75 hour uh, average viewers. You have to stream like a certain amount of days in a week to prove you're like actively and regularly streaming. Um, and even when you put in the partnership application does not mean you'll be accepted. Mm. I know some people that had to fill out three or four times before they got accepted. I know some people mm. still have not. And the way Twitch looks at it is the partners are kind of like our VIPs. So we're going to need the gamut, mm. the spread, right? Um, we're going to need... TTRPGs, but we're going to need, 
you know, Fortnite players and we're going to need cooking shows and we're going to need partners that represent yeah, sure. all categories of what so it is that all, we do, which means it's a lot They're doing smaller. a super network, as it were, and they're looking... Yeah, super network. Who has the highest following? Who's real influencer? These are going to pe- be the people that get on the mm, front page yeah. of Twitch, right? That are right there and on the front page. Yeah, much These are, bigger. In addition, there are some... Mm. Much bigger. There are some additional opportunities with them, things like... um depending on your audience size, and I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands mm. of people, you can negotiate your partnership contract to receive more of subscriptions, mm. like receive more percentage of the subscription yeah. Uh, yeah. than you can. Uh, that is a definite benefit to, to partnership. But mm. I'll be honest, everybody's like, we got to make partner. And it's like, mm. really, the difference is not that much. The only difference is that you've gotten mm. the stamp of approval mm. from Twitch. So what are you really trying to do with partnership? Is it increase your numbers because you want to have the numbers that a partner needs? Well, you don't need partnership to mm. increase your numbers or yes. your viewership, right? You don't need partnership to even accept dollars, bits, tips, or subscriptions. You already got that as an affiliate. So I think there's a lot of misconception mm. around partnership, in my opinion. But uh, that being said, partnership basically means you've stepped from here, like mm. way mm. up here. Like you're becoming um, a professional streamer, yeah. basically, in essence. Um, they do give partnership to some brands. Some brand like Wizards of the Coast, they just gave it to, right? Gen mm. Con, just going to get it. Because yeah, you're Gen Con, because you're an established friend, you're not right. an individual. Um, but the individual struggle for partnership mm. is real. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to very quickly touch on is to go back to ethics in streaming again. Because you mentioned ethics regarded to uh, with regard to payment practices and how, how you divide up the money. And obviously, there's been like a highly publicized um, event in the last year or two with uh, issues of consent in content. What what other sort of landmines are there what other sort of big big Mm. ticket items are there that people should be very very careful to keep an eye out for in terms of ethics in this this sort of business um right so so first bullet i'll try to do some bullets bullet one compensation how do you compensate people for their time energy money and talents bullet two um Mm -hmm. safety part of ethics of running any business is the safety of its people and that is absolutely true for TTRPG. Mm-hmm. There is no excuse not to yep. use safety tools. Um, if you're listening to this and you're like, we don't use safety tools because we're best friends and we don't need them. It'll change your space. It'll make for better gameplay, I promise. Also, you. being a best friend who you know really well is a safety tool. <laughs> You've had conversations with that person over years. Yeah, right, you are exactly. unconsciously yeah. using safety tools yeah. already. You know not yeah. what to bring up with your best friend. Already, don't you? yeah. Um, That's a- a lot of games are starting to be built with their own safety tools. Mm. I think about like something like For the Queen, the card, the uh, game yeah. by mm-hmm. uh, Evil Hats, right? Yeah. Which is a card-based game. It comes with an X card for the table, so people just touch the X card, right? There, it's beginning to become part of the thank you, ver- like praise be the vernacular. Um, and there are lots of different kinds of safety tools, right? You've got safety tools which are lines and veils, but then there's live stuff. The other thing about being live is um, you're under pressure. When we look at events where people have had bad consent happen to them live, they clearly did not feel comfortable enough or they felt like they didn't have the tools mm. to stop yeah. that moment. That should never This is true about the agency and the When I look at those, I go, yeah. what went mm. right? What went wrong? Why didn't they stop? Mm. Was it because they were uncomfortable live? And that's something to think about. Mm. When you're live, it's hard to be the person that has to flat out call everybody else out and say, yeah. stop, stop, mm. stop. Mm. Especially I'm when you know this, yeah, with an audience. Yeah. But yeah. it's... But it shouldn't be, which means that is talking about a culture that we've not entirely Mm. left yet, about an audience, right? This idea of performative space. This is not a Mm. movie. We are not scripted. This is not rehearsed. We are improvising this. Even improvisers have tools on stage to be Mm. safe with Mm. one another, 
right? So even we have to have those tools. And as the audience, if somebody plays an X card, please don't call that person out or question yeah. why they did it. The fact of the matter is you're watching a live collaborative process and you just watched yeah. magic yeah. happen when somebody felt comfortable enough to put an X mm. card on the table. That's yeah. real that, magic. That's that, that there's a level of trust at the table where they can oh, be that. that vulnerable. And you should be lucky as an audience member to get to see that. Some someone plays on. an X card, some mm. people just don't handle it well. They they get defensive. Like they're mm. being told they've done something right. wrong. And that's not what the card is no. for. It's no. not it's not it's that's not, not what a punishment. The card is about. Or, yeah. It's yeah. not a judgment. Yeah, an X card is not a judgment. You know, an X card is a way to say, hey, you you cross yeah. something and it's immediately I, as a very mm. empathetic person, see an X card and I go, oh my gosh, I'm mm. so sorry. Of course mm. I will change that. Why mm. wouldn't you want to? Your defensiveness is your fragility mm. at the table. Yeah. That's what that is. what that is. Your defensiveness of an X card is your I, fragility of being called out on possibly being sexist or racist or, you oh. know, it's small things. Like I've had an X card before where um, I brought an NPC in that mm -hmm. I knew mm -hmm. was a shape changer and they were at this big event and they walked into a bar and she at the moment was in the form of like an eight-year-old girl in a drinking competition. And... They didn't know hmm. she was a shape changer. So one of my players walked in and go, no underage drinking, no mm -hmm. eight-year-old drinking. And I did not have a chance to be like, well, let me just tell you yeah. it's a shape changer and a blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was like, of course, she's now an 18-year-old yeah. girl. Moving on, yeah. right? Don't get defensive because it, that is your fragility. I, I think a good way to look at it is it's like you're, you're, you're sailing like a sailing ship and the X card is someone's way of saying, look out, there are some rocks directly ahead of the ship. You're at the back, you can't see it. So you, you take a hard turn to dodge it is that a good metaphor do you think mm. yeah and again x card mm. has rules yes. when an x card is dropped there is no question we don't need a why mm. you just cut it cut it and start over like it, it's it's like a mistake <laughs> on a drawing like you can't like erase it and like smudge it to be better sometimes you just got to start over that is what mm. an x card is in is a little different right the n card uh mm -hmm. the letter n is uh is more of like hey this could be, we're getting really close to a position, a place, a topic, a thing that I'm not comfortable with. I actually see in cards pop up the most when we have inter-party mm, conflict. Mm -hmm. Because some people are not comfortable yeah, with inter-party conflict. They can be quite triggering. They're yeah. not comfortable with two people arguing or two people trying to steal yeah. from one another or two people uh, that are now plotting against yeah, it one another. Right? Them, yeah. um, it brings up stuff for them that's like, I thought we were mm. working together. Mm. I need to be at this table and to feel safe. I think we need to be working together, which means now it's my job as a GM to fade to black yeah. or veil out on their argument. And then after yeah. the game, I have to talk to these two players about coming back because we, you, your role play is making another yeah. player. So, so, uh, so setting up the recompense, that's uh, the first bullet to dodge. The second bullet is making sure we've got sufficient safety tools in place. Any others that we should be aware of? Top third and final one? Um, other, I mean, poof. Um, I do uh, something uh, for my players. I have a shared mm -hmm. document, right? Because our lines and veils are all shared yeah. and it's um, it's anonymous, but they are a shared uh, right mm -hmm. contract. Um, another thing that I do is um, something before the game and after the game. Before the game, I have a list for my players of things yeah. to expect. So, hey, this game, you can expect probably some social intrigue. Uh, you can expect these uh, things. That way, if they come to the table and they've had a really you're sort bad of priming game, them to, yeah. Yeah, I'm priming them. I'm priming them. And they're going, I had a really hard day at work or my cat died. Can we mm. please not do this today? I just don't have the emotional mm. state. That yes. is safety. That's me going, of course I will change what I had mm. planned for us. Like, why don't we have a mm. spa day instead? Sure. That makes really great moments. And then after the game, I do something um, as well called um, uh, uh, stars mm -hmm. and wishes. Stars 
Every person at the table has to go around and talk about another character, their favorite moment of another character, which supports the people at the table, right? It shows love to the other people Mm. that you're there with. And then a wish. Uh, I wish next episode for X to happen or, oh, I really wish to see how this plays Mm. out. That is a cue to me as the GM of where my players' interests lie. And and it allows me to listen to them and see what they took from their time. Okay. So it's like... um Make sure you know your recompense, make sure you've got your safety tools in place, and make sure you've got, like, good, solid, robust feedback from... Yeah, good communication. And that's what hobbies... Mm-hmm. On the front and the back all about. You need... The players need to talk to you, you need to talk yeah. to your players. And so, that, yeah, that's... It, it, it's sort of one of those things that's all common sense, but people don't think about it until you actually say it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. we really do have to wind up... I know. I'm no. sorry. I told y'all yeah. I can talk. Didn't I warn you before this? I was like, y'all do not know what you said when you told me you didn't have questions ready and we're just going to let me no, go. No, no, uh, it's, sorry. it's absolutely fine. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's been absolutely epic. Thank I you. Really loved it today. Yeah, this has been uh, this has been a blast and I appreciate uh, it. It's so funny. I, I joked with people. I was like that 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 tweet was not meant to like blow up. I was I was actually questioning. I put a question out. There's like, how do other people handle their finances? And the only responses oh. I got that day were, I don't know. How do oh. other people do it? Nobody oh. had any ideas. And I was like, oh, well, no, I'm going to make a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of blew up. And so it's funny you reached out to me that day so we could talk about it because it is something yeah. I'm passionate about. And the fact of the matter is, business ethics is not something that's oh, taught to everyone. No, it's just not. It's not. It's not no. innate knowledge. You don't come out of the womb knowing business ethics, right? Um, and more than likely, we end up working in a place that has none. So. Um, I feel very honored to get to share the things that I have learned over the years doing this as both a streamer and in other forms of business to be able to, uh, you know, to bring a little light to a subject that is often very taboo. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. If I take this old key thusly and rub upon it... Turn it... Turlick, you're a genius, a TARDIS. We can only erupt. We cannot. Oh, cracky. (laughs) Your TARDIS sounds put me completely off. Well done.